Sirius XM. Howard Stern. On today's show, Uh-oh. Howard welcomes back actor and director quack, Bradley quack. Cooper. I couldn't get into the uh, Sky Bar at the Mondrian Hotel in L.A. when I first was. I remember I had my buddy, and I was like, come to L.A., I'm doing a TV show, Aliens, it's going to be crazy. Right. We get there, we can't get in anywhere, no one's looking at us, we're just sitting back in our one-bedroom thing I'm renting, depressed as hell <laughs> that <laughs> night. You my want- sister comes out to visit for a week, she wants to kill herself. I mean, it was like, L.A. can be horrible. Quack, quack. I was doing quack quack all Thanksgiving. Quack quack quack. Nobody laughed. Nobody gets it. Nobody knew what you were doing. No one knew. Quack 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 quack. I I just came from the morning prayer circle that we do before every show, asking the Lord to. Make us do a good show and to uh, bless us as we try to make you laugh and entertain you all morning long. Uh, everybody join hands. Where did you hands. get that idea? Woo, woo. Oh, uh, well, let's see. Hmm. Hmm. How long has this been going on without me? <laughs> uh, oh, you're not included. Uh, you are left out of the morning prayer service. They don't pray for me. Yeah, J.D. leads us in prayer every morning. He's been going on for quite some time. Mm, interesting young man, that J.D. Oh, yeah. Where do we begin? You know, when we're away from you for a week, it's uh, hard to pick up because so much has happened, so much going on. As uh, as the Mr. Announcer announced, uh, Bradley Cooper will be in at 9 o'clock. Ladies, hold on to your hats. Because, you know, he uh, can get away with Bradley. You know, Bradley's not really a cool name, is it? Sure it is. How dare you? Bread. You know, everybody shortens it to Brad because the Lee kind of mm. takes it down. And he goes by the whole thing, Bradley. Yes, he does. And deservedly so. <laughs> How dare you? Right. That's what I thought about all weekend. Why didn't he shorten it to Brad? <laughs> so later on in the morning, it'll just be two hot guys hanging out and talking. Me and Brad. Aren't you women lucky? Mm, ladies, <laughs> get ready. Who knows? For some man talk. Yeah, we're going to have man talk. Mm, <laughs> you're going to be privy to some man talk. Uh, yeah, I saw Bradley's movie Maestro. I got a lot to say to him, a lot to ask him about movie making. I'm, hey, what, you know, I don't know what I don't know a what consummate director. I don't know what you guys do for a living, but I'm interested in being a director myself, and uh, might be a good career change. So Bradley will give us some tips on how to how to be a director, which I think will I be was nice. Reading reviews this weekend, and people were commenting mm. on choices he made. To yes. bring the story of Leonard Bernstein to life. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. I, mean, I saw the yeah. movie too. It's an incredible. Incredible movie. Where'd you see it? On my TV. Oh yeah, they uh, they let you. <laughs> no, uh, it's not streaming. They gave me a special. They gave you a copy. copy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know where I saw it? Where? At Bradley's house. Mm. Oh, oh uh, well. There you go. There you go. Is it special at Bradley's house? Does he have a whole screening room? And, mm-hmm. uh, 
right. Mm-hmm. You sit there and watch the movie with him. <laughs> yes. Yes. And he well, watches you watch the movie. <laughs> yes, he stares at me while I give him notes to make his movie better, even. <laughs> no, nah, he didn't sit there with me. I just watched it, and I was with my wife. And yeah, we, I uh, would imagine it'd be kind of hard with just the two of you there. No, he puts him? the movie. No, he puts the movie on and he goes, "All right, I'm going to excuse myself." I go, "Well, hey, why did you watch it too?" But I guess it's not cool to watch yourself. So, I'm sure yeah. he. If you had a wrong reaction, that could have freaked him out. Yeah, well, I loved it. So he he knew it too. He knew like he knew the movie was really good. So he was just you know he felt confident showing it. He knew no one was going to walk out of it and go, "Oh, this sucks." You know, you know nobody I mean? was gonna laugh at a place yeah. that wasn't supposed to be laughed at yeah you don't want to show me a movie and have me in your house if it's shitty because <laughs> uh, i will i will be searching for things to say <laughs> but anyway uh, yeah so we'll hear from bradley cooper later on who uh must be exhausted because i saw he was at the uh eagles game i think it was eagles playing who were they playing they were playing were they playing buffalo jesus i'm yeah, You're they're playing the Bills. I watched it up until the halftime. Uh-huh. Bradley's was it a nighttime turn- game? No, no, no. Was oh. watching- what time was I watching that? I- well, yeah, I guess you would call it an evening game because I was watching it. It was after dinner, but I ate dinner at 4.30, so. <laughs> well, it was I don't know what you. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was late night for me. <laughs> man, I- that dinner time is getting earlier and earlier, man. <laughs> yeah. God. The game ended around 8 p.m., but I, I was I only watched. But Bradley is turning into uh, the Taylor Swift of the Philadelphia Eagles because he was at the game and he's in the owner's box. And I noticed, like, like you know, with Taylor Swift, whenever something happens on the field, they cut for her reaction. Were they doing that with Brad? Yeah. Bradley. Bradley. <laughs> Brad. Yeah, Bradley was in the box with the uh, owner of the Eagles, Jeffrey Lurie. And, and uh, so they kept switching to him every time somebody on the team did something good. I got to ask Bradley what the chow is in that room, because every, a lot of times they cut to him. He's, he's got a big, nice plate and it looks like some good stuff going down in that he's, luxury he's box. eating every time. Yeah. He's, yeah. Like you don't want to be mid bite. <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles pulled out a win, though, I think in overtime, if I have that right, that, uh, I thought that I, you know what? If I was a betting man, I would have bet on the Bills for that one. But I thought the Bills were going to win. They were looking pretty good. They were good. doing well while you watched. Yeah, they were ahead. They were up by three points. Yeah, no, but they, you know, I sort of three loosely points is not a lot in football. No, I know, but I, I sort of loosely follow football, and the Bills are looking pretty good. And I don't know what happened. Yeah. I don't know how they fell apart. What happened, uh, Will? What's the big story there? How did the how did Philadelphia beat the uh, Bills? What the hell? I'm mildly amused by these stories. Um, Eagles were down, and uh, their kicker uh, hit a, uh, a field goal, a 60-yard field goal in the rain to, to get things into wow. overtime. And then uh, Jalen Hurts did his magic, and uh, they scored a touchdown on the. You know, Bills came back, scored a uh, field goal in, in in overtime, and then the uh, the Eagles scored a touchdown, and that was it. They won. It was beautiful. Why thing. did Why did you get mad? Well, if you don't need help here. Yeah, Wolfie. What can you add? To come on, it's not my fault. I listen to orders. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, the, the, no, what I was going to say to you is, at the meeting this morning, Will, you blew up at John Heim because you felt he had the wrong narrative 
Uh, what was that oh, all God. about? I didn't follow you know, that. He, he missed a pass. <laughs> Josh Allen missed a Come pass, on, which was not the story of the Come game. Come on, Will. Yeah, the, the there were lots of stories. There are lots of the field, misses the six, in the game. The 60-yard field goal was amazing to it tie was incredible. it. The Bills win the toss in overtime. They're driving down the field. If they score a touchdown, the game's over. And Josh Allen misses a wide-open receiver. Wide open in the end zone. That would have won the game. Bills make a field goal. And then, to the Eagles' credit, Hurts drove them down the field, and then they scored to beat the Bills. The Bills are, are a mess right now. They should be a lot better than they are. But uh, Will gets very Eagles fans, rightfully so, are very sensitive when it comes to that stuff, as you know. Yeah, I'm very excited because his, his uh, the Mich- Michigan beat Ohio State, which is almost as big as any NFL that, game this weekend. That was the big story of the weekend. That's the only yeah, was, game worth talking about. I was talking to John Hine last night, actually, because we were talking <laughs> Bradley Cooper stuff and going over some notes and things, and I knew he had gone to the big Michigan game. You're a big Michigan guy, and. Uh, I don't know. You were all jacked up about it. And oh, yeah. You, you said they stormed the field and it was scary? It was this Howard. We got there. We, I was lucky enough. To, I was on the field for the game. And this game, and Will and Wolfie can attest to this, this is the ultimate rivalry in sports. Michigan-Ohio yeah. State goes back forever. Schools hate each other. Both undefeated. Winner of this gets to win the, t- you know, wins the championship, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, we were on the field and Michigan won and we store every, we, we stormed the field. There's 110,000 people in this stadium. It's the largest stadium in the country. And we ran out and we're all excited. And all of a sudden you turn and everyone is coming and it was. <laughs> Terrifying. You're there because you, you're, you know, you're cheering and then you can't move. You can't get off the field. My wife is like tiny. She, yeah, there's my wife on my back as when we were. Oh, wow. Yeah. She, I mean, it was so exciting. And then we're trying to get off the field, but students all drinking since six in the morning because it's a noon start. They're coming on. You're trying to get off. It was like a concert where you read about people getting trampled. It was terrifying, but first of all, managed. What are you doing out there on the field? You're a grown ass man. I mean, what what's going on there? Oh, I'm a huge Michigan. I'm an alum. I'm a huge Michigan fan. I'm I'm thrilled to watch the game and be privileged enough to get down there and and stand on the sideline during it. And uh, I don't know. I've, I it's the second time I've done it. They won both times. I'm not going to say that's a coincidence, but it was just a thrill to be there, honestly. And uh, I, you know, I'm not playing the game, but I'm definitely you know very excited. Looking at that picture of you and your wife on the on the, on the field, does anyone ever say to you, I don't mean this. I mean, I mean this as a compliment to Debbie, your wife. Does anyone ever mistake her for like your daughter? Because uh, you you look way older than her. Like you almost like she's no. on your back and you. I, you, you know. She looks like a, he was picking up a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's I, aging way better than you. I mean, no well, offense. It's no offense, Howard. It's been that way since we've met. I believe me. Wow. I know what I, what I've got there. But we met there in 1985. Like that's our wow. spot. We love Ann Arbor, and uh, she's as big a fan. As I am, but yeah, she, the people I often get the, what the hell are you, how did this happen? What, what, what are you doing with her? Uh, is there a video of you running onto the field? Cause I'd like to see that. Just you running. Well, that would be amazing. Well, the other, the, so my daughter was there too. So we were like, okay, here's the plan. We're meeting at the 30 yard line on the Ohio State side of the field. If this happens, because Ohio State almost came back and won the game at the end. Michigan had interception. They win the game and we bolt immediately to the 30. 
and we get that picture and we're jumping up and down and everybody's all excited. And then, as I said, you turn and you just see a flood of, of people <laughs> coming at you. And it is a wow. terrifying thing. Exciting. I tell you, man, I don't get the whole like stampeding. On, you know, I'm, I've, I miss out on a lot in life because I'm not as passionate as most people or I'm not as crazy as most people. Like I see people starting to run onto a field. I go, this looks like danger. I'm, I'm going the opposite way. You know, that's me. Like I don't get it. Like even my daughter was with my, one of my daughters lives in California and she came in with her family to, um, be with us for Thanksgiving. It was great Thanksgiving. I had all my kids here, my granddaughter, everything. I mean, it was fucking awesome. And so, uh, we're all hanging out. And then my kid says, well, we got our flight book for Sunday night. And, you know, Sunday night is peak Thanksgiving traveling. And I say to my kid, how is it you're my daughter? I'm so neurotic. I would have left on Saturday to get home a day yeah. early to get all set up. She goes, Dad, you're uptight. I'm not, you know, she didn't get back to California till 430 in the morning. And uh, it was crazy, crazy. Like, like I don't I don't comprehend it. And And it's the same thing as you, like. You see people stampeding into a into a field. I go, where could I be the safest? In fact, <laughs> I won't even go to the Michigan game. I'm watching it on TV. I don't want to be around crazy people. I don't want to be. Well, the thing of it is, Howard, once everybody rushes onto the field, there's nothing to do. There's nowhere exactly. to go. <laughs> yeah, what do you do? And by the way, that's a good point. What do you do, John, once you're on the field? Ro look, Robin's right. Again, we were on the field for the game, you know, uh, which was which was great. And then what do you, you mean you're on the field for the game? You were playing we were in the game. <laughs> I was, they didn't, you know, they didn't call. They didn't call my number. I was waiting. Right. No, we were standing yeah. on the sideline. And then I realized, wow. how do you get that? Are you do you give a bunch of money to? Uh, no, 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 no. I have you to thank for this. Actually, one of the board, of, one of the members of Regents, this guy Jordan Acker, is a huge. He's a fan of the show. His mother's an even bigger fan of the show. I was going anyway and had tickets and he's like, Hey, would you, you know, if, if I was able to do this, would you want the pass? And I said, of wow. course, that would be great. And, uh, so I have him to thank for it. And then when you're on the field for nice. the game, it's just a different experience. But then I really, it clicked in my head. Wait a minute. We can't get out. If we didn't want to storm the field, like we were going in the wrong direction because <laughs> right. 100,000 were coming this way. So we were going on the field regardless. And then in the middle of the field, that's where the players and the coaches are. And everybody wants to, you know, say great job, this and that. And then they clear out a tunnel so the players and can get off. But you can't go through that tunnel. So Robin's right. You're standing there. You're cheering. You're clapping. Everyone loves each other. And like, now what do we do? And they're making a stadium announcement. Uh, could you please leave the field? It's, you know, it's time. We're thrilled that we won and nobody's listening. You got a bunch of drunk students coming out there. Nobody's listening. Everybody wants to get on the field and jump in and party. And so it was you great. Were, and then it was terrifying. You were kind of like the Spike Lee of Michigan State because, uh, you know, Michigan, Spike, Michigan, <laughs> Michigan, rather. Sorry. I don't know the difference, but, uh, which, which one do you have to be smarter to go to? That's the University of Michigan, not Michigan State University. <laughs> which one did With you go to? Respect. I went to the University of Michigan. Oh, okay. I gotcha. But, uh, anyway. I'm saying you're like Spike Lee because Spike at the at the Nick game, he's practically in the game. I mean, I've I've gone to a couple of Nick games where I see him like he's just like right on the line where you know you're not allowed to cross onto the onto the thing. Like he's in the game and the the players are high fiving him and stuff. So I mean, you are now becoming that guy. 
Well, it's funny when Michigan, one of the linemen got seriously hurt and the next play they ran a touchdown and the guy, Blake Corum, ran it into like directly at me where I was standing in the stadium. And I, I really wanted to go out there and be like, yeah. Meanwhile, he's like, you know, the teammates are congratulating him and I'm smart enough to realize, OK, I probably shouldn't do that. But I'm standing on the sidelines telling the people, you know, they really should do this. And why don't they do that? And they're looking at me like, are, are you the coach? Like, what are you talking about? You, you had a big so day, though. And so into it. Huge. You day. had a good Huge. weekend. Uh, the, the, the Steelers, your team beat the Bengals, JD's team yesterday. And, uh, Burrow got, right, JD? Burrow's out for the season. Yeah. He is, he is out for the season. Yes. Yeah, tough, so, break. Yeah. tough break. Tough yeah, break. JD <laughs> said it was the most, you were depressed yesterday, right? No, well, this was last. It was last. That's what I mean. Uh, what yeah. was it? Thursday? Right. Yeah, it was a Thursday right. night game. Big primetime game on Amazon. And yeah, he, he tore a ligament or something in his wrist and, uh, he couldn't grip the ball and it was very depressing. And they lost against the Ravens. And then, uh, yesterday with their new quarterback, Jake Browning, they lost. They did not look wow. good at all. A big Browning fan. Man, Shut I'll up. tell you. I uh, I am so again I've said it before I am so glad I'm not involved with this football. The I, amount of time you need for that is crazy. I mean, there's so many games and things to watch. And then if you're, you know, if you're freaky into sports and you're into hockey and basketball and God knows how do what you else. Do that all? Yeah, I mean, I you couldn't know. have a moment in your day to work. You got to be retired to watch all these games. I mean, you really do. You can't. It's just nuts. I don't know how people have time. Like I said, man, I had my, um, yeah, you know, I have The Bachelor I watch. That's once a week. It's perfect. You know, it's just two hours. Yes, an hour. Oh, it's two hours. Well, okay. You're yeah. even devoting well, two hours to that. Two hours. Yeah. Two hours. <laughs> and Bachelor in Paradise, too. Yeah. Uh -oh. If you're invested, if you're, if you're invested with your team, you watch the game and then you watch the coach, uh, press conferences with the coaches and the yeah. quarterback. It's a whole, uh, yeah. Power the whole thing. It's a whole with, fucking thing. With John, John, like, you know, people who go to Michigan, it's a big rivalry. He's right. John's hatred of Ohio State is so <laughs> real, right? I mean, it's wow. like really real. So yes. like one day we were on the wrap-up show, and I thought like it's the kind of thing like, you know, but really, you, you wouldn't mind. So I said, if your daughter, what would you do if your daughter brought home a guy from Ohio State? He goes, would not be allowed in my house. I said, you're joking. Really? He goes, I am not. He goes, I'm not fucking joking. So then I went through this whole list. I'm like, okay, would you rather your daughter marry a convicted felon or Ohio State? He's like, convicted felon. And wow. then the last thing I asked him, <laughs> Howard, I swear to God, I go, neo-Nazi. Or Ohio State. And there's a pause. I go, John. He goes, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, what do you hate? Do you hate just their football team or do you hate anyone who goes there? It's it's a natural Both. rivalry. Yeah, I hate yeah. everything about Ohio State and they hate everything about Michigan. But it's just, yeah, it, it's really, it, there's two... On a regular weekend, if Michigan wins, it's great. But if Ohio State loses, it's even better. Like that's the only game that wow. that matters. And the, uh, the last time John was on the sidelines for a game, he got into a fight with this. Uh, his name is Urban get, Meyer. He's a commentator now, but he was a huge Ohio State coach. And John got into like an argument I, with. I didn't guy. get into a fight. We had a little disagreement. That's all. And and Urban, you know, I get, he has a great sense of humor, and he stays out there for the whole game. I give him that. But of course, I'm going to hate the old coach of Ohio State. Why? How can I what's not? your uh, what's your team again? Michigan State or Michigan? Michigan, Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> University Michigan, of Michigan Wolverine. All right, I gotta I gotta keep saying I gotta Don't say yeah. the wrong name. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know. I didn't even know there were two Michigan Michigan State. I mean, oh, who yeah. the fuck knows? You know what? 
I went to Boston University. They supposedly have a great hockey team. I didn't go to one fucking game. I had no school spirit. I just yeah. wanted to get on the radio and get the fuck out. It's unbelievable. I, I you know, I don't know what's I wrong with me. I couldn't base my life on that. Would you? I mean, it's <laughs> no. like that he's still this rah rah, and he's still going to the games, and he's going to be trampled by kids because it's really the kids' team. It's not your team. Yeah, and How like I'm involved. You, I'm involved a little bit as an alumni because I try to, you know, I'm I'm grateful to Boston University. I got a, a good education there, and you know, they were. I guess it was okay, but I don't know. I, I just don't get this fan worship and stuff, but maybe I'm, but you know, I'm missing out, I guess. I'm not passionate. It couldn't be another team. It's got to be the team from the school he went to. Right. See, oh, it's yeah. all about, you know, I have a connection to this school and so I'm putting all my emotion in it. Is that Very a tough true. school to get? Is that a tough school to get into, John? Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's a, right. but a, a lot of schools are really tough to get into these days. But it's it's a it's a very academically prestigious school. But again, I met my wife there. My daughter right. went there. I spoke at the graduation there. You know, a few years ago. I've done a lot for the school. They've done a lot for me. I've got nothing but great things to say about Michigan, and we beat Ohio State three years in a row, which is so <laughs> awesome. You spoke. You spoke at the graduation for the entire university, or just one the school? The School of Communications. It was about yeah. two thousand people. What did you say? I wonder. Good lord, oh, that was a What'd while you say? ago. But yeah, well, I mean, what I, do you I, say? I mean, what I do you say could... to a kid graduating college? I say the world's fucked, dude. Ugh. I don't know. You're graduating college and commuter school of communications. You should just go on Instagram and and, and, and unpackage toys and make millions of dollars. <laughs> you wouldn't believe what's going on in the world of like little kids. You go on um, YouTube. There's some, I was watching it this weekend. There's some lady on there unboxing toys and playing with the toys. And I'm watching this thing and go, this person is fucking insane. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, what kind of nonsense is this? Playing with toys like they're little kids. Three-year-olds are transfixed. Like, they love it. And they've got millions of followers, these people. And then they make millions of dollars. I'm like, you don't need a school of communications for that. you got to just be warped. <laughs> It's unbelievable what's going on. I mean, what do you, I can't even believe there are schools of communications anymore. There's hardly any news outlets that are legit. There's, uh, the radio's dying. Everything's fucking. You don't have fucking... to be legit. You just uh, said it. There's yeah. the internet and there's YouTube and there's Instagram and yeah. you can go on and create Twitch. your own show. Just yeah. put a mic in your house. And uh, you're on the air. It's crazy. It, I saw and, some woman being featured on Good Morning America a couple of weeks ago. She makes up, you know, like those bad children songs. Yeah. You know, that they're, you know, nobody's ever going to ask her to write another kind of song. Right. But the kids are singing along with her and yeah. the parent, the mothers are singing along with her and she's a huge deal. You could start a YouTube where you jingle keys for babies and make millions of dollars. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> you could. It's Leave nuts. Leave this on yeah. for your child while you take a bath. <laughs> right. I mean, it's crazy, but... Uh, People make money like whispering into a microphone. <laughs> I know. That's, that's called... Sound. What's that called again? ASMC ASMR. ASMR. <laughs> and you, you wonder weird. why people paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to send their kids to four-year universities to get that degree so you can then build the career and then you see stuff like this and you're just like 
what's going on? Like, what like, did I? Why? What did I waste my time on? Don't you have an idea for the YouTube channel? Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. I don't even know what I. If they said to me, "Why don't you come speak at the School of Communications?" I'd say, "My rah rah speech is a good speech if it's thirty years ago." Like my speech is like, you know what, man, you got to put in thousands of hours. You got to get on the air. You got to really get your mic technique down. You got to blah, blah, blah. But it's all bullshit. You got to start in small market. That's your place to learn and make your mistakes. (laughs) Oh, my God. That my speech is right out the window. My speech is bullshit now. Don't don't ask me to speak at one of these things. Oh, this fucking week was so crazy. So much shit going on. So much stuff going on. I don't even know where to begin. First of all, let me start with that uh, that Thanksgiving Day parade. Who the fuck is watching this thing? They they said on TV that it's like 20. I think they said the audience for the Thanksgiving Day parade is 28 million people, something like that. And I'm like, Howard, again, you're out of step. Yeah. You're who out the of fuck step. is what? I mean, <laughs> and then they extended it an extra 30 minutes this year, believe it or not. Do you I know could... they replay it just in case somebody missed it? I found that out at the Thanksgiving dinner I went to because it's a big deal in their house. They well, I'll tell you a what. tradition of, of watching that parade. I thought that it was a replay. I said, there's no way this is current. It looked like this, this fucking thing was from the 80s. They had Cher. They had <laughs> yeah. Belle Bivadeau, Belle Bivadeau or whatever the fuck they are and DeVoe, Ninja Turtles. Belle Bivadeau and the Ninja Turtles on the same float. I go, this must be a rerun. But that's, they finally figured out they don't have to keep making new yeah, Thanksgiving Day Parade. Be, they don't have to have a new one every year. You know, I, 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 when I, when I'm in Manhattan and I, in my, in my place, uh, I'm right near the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I could just, I could throw a stone and hit it. And I'm like, oh no, the fucking Thanksgiving Day Parade fucks everything up. Traffic, you can't cross the street, you can't get into Central Park. It used to be so fucking annoying, but, uh, and you go for what? Horrible dancing, lip sync. They don't even make an effort to lip sync on those floats. They right. just fucking, they just stand there and they kind of move their mouth. If they get tired, they stop. It's unbelievable. It's useless. One of my friends said, yeah. Uh, Greg is waiting for Cher to come on. He won't leave the TV. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. And then I guess most of you go, who the hell's the talent there? They got Cher, which was a good, you know, good get for them. But most of it is like Broadway shows that nobody watches anymore. They got, they had a Broadway show, Shuck, which is about corn. A show yeah. about corn. I mean, what is yeah, that? I don't know what, what happens at the show about corn, but I know it's there. Hey, look here. We got some corn. <laughs> yeah. We got corn. The corn is good. We are happy for our crops. What is, I want to hear. I mean, and then yeah, the balloons. What is the music of Shuck? <laughs> Unless you're five years old, those balloons mean nothing. I mean, big, giant fucking balloons. I love how they announce, you know, the new one that's going to be at the parade this year like somebody's showing up no it's a balloon well that's the weird thing because first of all kids today you say okay it's for kids kids today have an ipad they got they got entertainment they see a balloon they start yawning i mean they're like so fuck that (laughs) balloon on tv i I was just watching that balloon running down the street in 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 a cartoon and the cartoons look real oh my god 
Well, I had my granddaughter here, and I brought out my entire old puppet shows, my my puppet stage, my all my marionettes. Oh my god! That must have been amazing. I mean, did you? How long has it been? Do you you don't open them up and look at them no. from time to time? I hadn't opened them for sixty something years. Those puppets are sixty years old. Wow! I opened them up. They were so tangled. I couldn't even get them untangled. I had to send them off to a place to get them untangled, the puppets. And then There's I had a place my place for that? <laughs> and then I had How are my, they yeah. surviving? <laughs> in Manhattan, it's unbelievable. In Manhattan, there were like three of them. So I had a what? guy in Manhattan who's like a puppet meister. He, he restrung all my puppets. Wow. Yeah. And I was going nuts. I'm putting together music and, uh, soundtracks. Don't ask. It was like a whole fuck about, I didn't have a week off. I, these puppet I mean, shows were. You mean you made up a musical bed for like you were in a studio somewhere or where? No. You have? What? No. What did you do? I um I took uh like I would uh like I'd go on the Coca Melon website and let's say one of the little kids is singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or like I grabbed the Mister Ed theme and ah. uh, I took my horse puppet and uh, my clown puppet was Wilbur. And the horse is like, hey, I talk. And, and the clown's like, what the fuck? I'm losing my mind here. I'm, I'm, what am I, on a trip? And the horse starts talking, and then the horse breaks into, uh, I am Mr. Ed. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. And nobody talks to a Hello, horse, of course. Unless I'm the horse. Mr. Ed. There, this one. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. Man, no I was sweating bullets over these fucking puppet shows because I wanted them to be good. And then I have a ventriloquism dummy, but my ventriloquism sucks now. I haven't done it in 60 years. So it was like, um, but I was a genius. I figured out. Did you try it out? Well, yeah, I put a mask on like I had COVID and I, and I, oh. so my, my ventriloquism was perfect. <laughs> She wasn't distracted by. Can you still throw your voice? Can you, no. you know, do that? No, I never really was very good at it, so I can't. I can't claim I ever had some kind of expertise. You know, I was always. They had this thing in the back of comic books: learn to throw your voice, and they'd send you this whistle-looking device. And I, I, it never worked for me. I never threw my voice. But I put on these full productions every day at four o'clock. I put on uh, puppet shows, and it starts with ventriloquism. And the kid was going wild. I mean, um, hugging the puppet. Did she get to the point where she was like, you know, I'm I'm ready for my puppet show. I want to let's do the yeah. puppets. Yeah, she was super ready for the puppet show. Oh, she was like, wow. and, and very nervous that the puppet show was going to start without her. You know, oh, and I was goodness. like, no. <laughs> I said, it doesn't start till you get there. <laughs> and uh, she loved it. And uh, oh, that's she was great. Yeah, and then as soon as it would end, I want more puppet show. And but here's the deal: I was afraid. That kids today are exposed to so many cool things on that iPad that the puppet show wouldn't have an impact. But it turns out live performance still has That's a way right. with kids. It, it, it trumps all. I just so, went to a Broadway uh, show called Anne Juliet, and they have all this current popular music in it. Like there's a yeah. Katy Perry song. There's a Kelly Clarkson song. There's a Bon Jovi song. A lot of different people are featured in the songs they sing and the audience was full of the same people that went to see barbie well in my puppet shows uh i i incorporated the song blackbird by paul mccartney oh did you so you're yeah. doing it too <laughs> i have a um i have a beetle puppet a puppet that uh, plays guitar a marionette you know 
And, uh, yeah, he, he did a, a nice rendition of Blackbird, which there was a whole intro to where, uh, my granddaughter had to guess what animal I was thinking of. And then, uh, yeah. Did you give her hints? Yeah, well, I made her get it right every time. But anyway, <laughs> it's like, uh, but I'm telling you, I was up like hours planning these puppet shows because I knew I was competing with the iPad and all of that. Where, where, where was the puppet stage? Where down in my basement? Your, yeah, downstairs. So it was yeah, like a whole thing. Did yeah, the but whole I got family show up for the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, but I've wow. got a finished basement. I got a finished mm-hmm. basement, so it's nice down there, you know. Oh, I know that, Howard. Everybody yeah. knows you have a yeah, It wasn't like we were down in the dungeon. It was a <laughs> right. finished basement. You didn't basement. chain her to a wall or anything. No, no, no. Shackles. No. <laughs> yeah, but man, I tell you, but I'm, I, this Thanksgiving Day parade, I didn't watch it, but I'm telling you, if they had rerun the Thanksgiving parade down from like 20 years ago, I wouldn't have known the difference. <laughs> These fucking balloons and everything else. And then, uh, I don't know. The parade, the parade went from 8.30 in the morning to 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And 28 and a half million people tuned in. Now I got the stats. It's unbelievable to me. Yeah, another person I was with this weekend, he said, guess what I did? And we all said, what? And he said, I went to the parade. And Mm. I was like, what? And he couldn't see anything. All he saw was like the marching bands because Cher and all that other stuff only happens in Herald Square. So you don't get to, they don't ride up the street with everybody else. No offense, but that's bogus. I mean, a parade is, you got to be in there. Like, I remember when George Takei was the parade host. He rode the whole parade waving Yes, well, he wanted to, but, you know, Cher's not doing that. No, Cher ain't doing that. Not even Belle Biv DeVoe is doing that. The sand of, uh, you know, that little time thing they turn over and the sand runs through. Cher knows. She's going to have all, she ain't spending three hours or four hours on a float. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, she's got life to live. Uh, pretty good get getting Cher, but it turns out Cher has a record album out or something, so yes. she was promoting it. And the other thing I saw was a picture of our guest, Dolly Parton, in a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader um, uh, outfit with, with hot pants and a belly shirt. And she looked fucking amazing. Yeah. I was shocked. Did anybody see that? I saw the pictures, uh, absolutely, and I said, can this be real? And so I oh, yeah. I had to go find more pictures. <laughs> Richard Christie, yeah. reco- uh, what is it, J.D.? No, yeah, she was at the Dallas Cowboys game, and yeah, she looked pretty, she looked pretty good. I mean, the woman's <laughs> 76. She's got a thin waist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she's 76 years old, and I was like, you know, what the fuck's wrong with me? I got my big belly and tits. I should fucking do her workout. What is she doing? I don't know. She's probably not eating uh, much. Yeah. But, uh, and moving. But, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm no, not doing like... either of those. I love eating. <laughs> I ate so much and fucking food. <laughs> I just, I threw my whole diet out the window. I was having pumpkin pie. I had apple pie. I had, um, carrot cake. I had, um, wow. Ice cream. <laughs> well, you should do that for Thanksgiving. It's all no. about the feast. I did it all week. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, my weight is way up. <laughs> yeah, but Dolly performed at halftime of the Dallas-Washington yeah. game on Thanksgiving Day. And, man, I saw the... I didn't see the game, but I saw the pictures of her. And I was like, what the fuck? Did, what is this? She's 76? Man, I look yeah. like shit. But she's <laughs> she's in some shape, I'll tell you that. Great shape. Like, insane. I mean, I mean, you, you don't see that very often. 
where somebody. Uh, you know, how about the, never? Yeah, with the where big do you tits see it? and, <laughs> and the, the the narrow waist. I mean, I was like, this is pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, shame on you, JD. You haven't exercised in a long time. You're, you're spiraling into laziness. Uh, that, oh, I'm not spiral. I Ooh. am in laziness. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very well. Yes, I. Uh, Dolly, I Dolly, seventy-seven. I mean, yeah. I got to tell you something, man. You know, I'm an old fart at this point. Just doing my workout, which is like really lame. If you saw me working out, you would have a that that would be a viral video that you guys really? would love. Well, let's oh, do it. My we want to go viral. <laughs> Maybe I'll do it, but I'm so embarrassed that I, I, I swear to you, it's like, um, you know how I do push-ups now? How? I, I re you know, like I go on the, I do them like standing up on the uh, bar and I like just, I just push up basically okay. against the wall. Yeah. Right. I don't even right. go on the floor and do them. You're on a, a an in or a decline. An incline. Yeah, an incline. Yeah. Yeah, yes. or decline, whatever the fuck you want to whatever call it. Whatever yeah. it is, you're not yeah. on the floor. You're just on, you know, you got the yeah. bar down here, and then you go to the bar. Like like Beth goes, what are you doing? Are you, are you stretching? I go, no, <laughs> push-ups. <laughs> what are you talking it's, about? This is weight training. Because <laughs> every time I do a real manly push-up, which I'm fully capable of doing, uh, <laughs> it, my neck hurts so bad the next day. What is I don't it with know. your neck? Everything hurts your neck. I know. You ride the but, bike, uh, your neck hurts. You go for I, a run, the bike, your neck. I know. Well, hey, man, what can I tell you? You know, I said to Beth, why don't you just buy me a set of weights for Christmas that are hot pink? Like, you know, like, because it's humiliating what's Barbie going weights. on. <laughs> then I do like, I'll do, um, like, you know, legs. And, um, like I, all I do is like 10 squats on a chair and then I'll do three oh, sets of 10. you have the chair behind you, chair Yeah, squats. yeah. <laughs> These are fall down. It's like, <laughs> and I'm like, and then like I, I spend a good amount of time just laying on my back on the floor trying to straighten out my head because I'm so hunched <laughs> over. It's really depressing. I'm really fucking lame. And then like, uh, and I have a trainer too, which is embarrassing because, you know, you, if you're watching this workout, you go, what do you need a trainer for? I mean, but I do. I do need one. He's got me in the game because I don't even think he, I'd work out anymore. He makes you get there to the gym yeah. to do something, right? I do something. Because you I have do. to meet with him. Yeah, but I, I don't even sweat. Like, I don't even need to, like, shower after my workout. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the other so over Thanksgiving with my kids here and everything, the hot water heater went out. Of course, oh. this is what always happens. Hot water heater, the air conditioning, everything, the heat. It, it was cold here what? in the Northeast. Yeah, it all went out. That's crazy. So it was freezing in the house, and I'm like, oh, man. You know, whatever can go wrong goes wrong over Thanksgiving when you have people. So, thank goodness we got a guy into repair. You've been a lot waiting to throw a Thanksgiving for how long? Yeah. The, I mean, everything worked every Thanksgiving until now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When no one's here, everything works. <laughs> it's crazy. But, uh, I saw so I got really upset. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And the kids were like, they were cool. They were like, Dad, it's okay. You know, it'll get fixed. I go, yeah, but, you know, why is it that my shit's always breaking? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. 
Whatever can go wrong do will go wrong. Do you do maintenance on these things? What do you think? Of course I do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. As soon as people come over, everything it breaks. Matter. Fucking audio system. The, the audio system held up. That was good. The, the, wow, the heat. that's a first. <laughs> yeah, that was a first. I was like, oh, please, just work. Something work. But what are you going to do? Yeah, so anyway. How uh all this out? You, know, you didn't spend the whole no, weekend we, 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 like that. Uh, we got a guy to come over, which was great. And uh, we just, just like most of the day was out. You know, yeah. from the morning okay. till late afternoon. Hate to think of you um, over there freezing. Oh my god! Oh my god! It was cold, but uh, <laughs> we're all bundled up. <laughs> I'm like, this is unbelievable. Everybody's in blankets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like 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 we didn't pay our rent. <laughs> you know, it's embarrassing. Big famous guy, no heat in the house. Kids are like, what? <laughs> like we even have heat in our house. Yeah, it was really embarrassing. I get very embarrassed by that stuff. But what am I going to do? That's it. So anyway, day after Thanksgiving is called, uh, I don't know if you knew this, it's uh, it's a gross holiday. Americans uh, celebrate overeating. Uh, plumbers call the day after Thanksgiving Brown Friday. I did not know that. Yeah, there's so many clogged pipes from people fucking grotesquely eating like I did and shitting. The busiest time of year Can for... You imagine? for yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Poor plumbers. It is a weird holiday. I, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday because it's like non-controversial. It's not a religious holiday. But if you really go into the weeds on it and start thinking about it, we're celebrating basically stealing the uh, Native American land. I mean, we are. Let's be honest. You can't argue that. I mean, these people were living here, and we just came in, and all of a sudden, just wiped them all out. That's what we're well, celebrating. Well, it didn't seem like such a bad thing the first Thanksgiving because right. the Indians actually gave the pilgrims food because those yeah. dummies didn't know how to grow anything here, no. and they were starving. So the Indians brought food on Thanksgiving, and it's even insulting that they're called Indians because Columbus thought he was in India, so he named them right. Indians. You know, it's the whole thing's fucked up. Uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, our Trump impressionist called a turkey farm and asked for a he want this is crazy. He asked if there's any turkeys that could misbehave because he wanted to ruin Joe Biden's Thanksgiving turkey pardoning. <laughs> Here you go. Hello, turkey farm. Hello there, is this a turkey farm run by American patriots who hate President Joe Biden? Biden, I won't even call him president. He never worked an honest days in his life. He never got a callus on his hand. And he's uh, taking money from the taxpayers way, way too long. So true. Good news. This is your favorite president, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> president Trump, I love you. Never met you. Uh, I can't believe what the world is trying to do to you. Especially sleepy, creepy Joe Biden. Yep. He's about to pardon turkeys at the White House for Thanksgiving, and I want it to go very badly for him. Okay. We're sabotaging the ceremony. We're replacing Biden's probably vaccinated, woke PC turkeys with ones that will go crazy. Nasty okay. ones. Biden looks dumb. Trump wins. Oh, yeah. So what kind of sicko turkeys do you have for me? Um... Uh, 
could you train a turkey to bite Joe Biden in the dick, uh, in the little pecker? God, I would love to see fake President Joe Biden getting his knob pecked by a big, ugly bird. Uh, I mean, you can't you can't train them, but they do crazy things on their own. They're, you can't train turkeys. They're too stupid. What if we just put a nasty porno magazine in the turkey's beak and everyone assumes he got it out of pervy Joe's pocket? No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't do that. Why not? Well, it would just open its mouth and fall out. These turkeys are useless. Right, right. <laughs> what if we shaved down a rabid raccoon? Do you think Biden would know it's not a turkey? No. <laughs> he, he wouldn't know what it was. He can't even walk straight. So true. Yeah. What's the biggest turkey you have, by the way? Oh, uh, 28 pounds. Let's stuff it with an illegal immigrant like a whole guy from Mexico. <laughs> Mexicans are so small it could work. Yeah, it would be great. You're right. But <laughs> very difficult to do. Or I could just dress up a couple of Mexicans as turkeys and dumb old Biden. He thinks he's pardoning a turkey, but he's really pardoning two illegal immigrants who are probably rapists, by the way. Oh, yeah. Then we could impeach him, right? Or maybe we could even lock him up. Yeah. Okay, sir. I'll let you go. Don't give up, Mr. Trump. We love you. I'll never give up dressing up illegals as turkeys for America. Okay, sir. I love you, and I always will. Keep up the good work, and I hope to meet you someday. Not likely. Bye-bye. All right. There you go. A little turkey Thanksgiving humor. Isn't that nice? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm shaking my head, too. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a crazy story that happened. Daryl Hall from Hall and Oates is suing Oates. I you know, I just saw the headline. I don't know what the suit is about. I was like, you got to be kidding. What is it with rock and roll musicians? They all fucking hate each other. You know, the only guys who are getting along are insane clown posse. Those guys have the secret. I, I mean, it's unbelievable. They love each other. Violent J and Shaggy too dope. Uh-huh. Those, those guys get along just fine. They're never splitting up. They don't have never. A, a beef with each other. They don't have any beef. <laughs> Daryl Daryl Hall. So from what I can understand, and I don't even understand this, Daryl Hall is suing John Oates because Daryl Hall sold his catalog. And then John Oates, all right, he's decided to sell some of his catalog. But Daryl Hall doesn't like who John Oates is selling his catalog to. And he had some sort of restraining order against him selling his catalog. And that's it's some kind of wow. crazy fucking thing. But meanwhile, now maybe I'm wrong, but I always thought Daryl Hall wrote most of those songs. I think Daryl Hall's probably pissed that he just didn't take the songwriting credit. He probably gave John Oates some kind of publishing because he felt bad or something but maybe i'm wrong you're a big hall and oats guys did didn't daryl hall write all those hits i mean early on they wrote everything together their first bunch of albums so i don't know i'm not sure who wrote what but they do seem to have some sort of publishing together whatever it is and um yeah daryl's just pissed that john's selling it it's so it's first of all we only know a little bit the whole thing the whole lawsuit was sealed and these are only little <laughs> things that are dribbling out so we don't wow. even know what the whole lawsuit is. Wow. Why are you wearing gloves in a winter coat? Are you cold? It's fucking freezing here, Howard. It is fucking really? freezing in the office. There's no heat. Why is there no heat? Sirius XM. Know. Big company. Wow. 
and there's actually wind coming down, like there's air conditioning coming down on me. Wow. Yeah. It's fucked up. It's a, you know what? It's funny with New York. Most of these Manhattan buildings, they always act surprised that winter's here. You know what I mean? Like the building doesn't know. <laughs> Every year it comes at, at the end of November or, or, or the end of October, somewhere, somewhere between the end of October and December, it starts to get into the thirties and twenties. And the buildings are like, we didn't know this was happening. We didn't <laughs> it's, know. It's, it seems like there's only an off and on switch for the whole building. And, and no you know what else? On. It also seems like these buildings don't know it's Monday when people come back to work. Like, they How, shut down everything for the weekend. That used to happen to us at K-Rock all the time. Yeah. We'd, get in, we'd get into 5 a.m., and they're like, well, the maintenance guy doesn't get until 8. I'm like, yeah, but we're here it's fucking freezing. Because I was looking at Gary's face, and I went, boy, his teeth are getting bigger and bigger as he gets older. And I realized those aren't teeth. Those are icicles hanging off his teeth, Robin. <laughs> you see that? So I apologize. <laughs> Gary's got a big a big um, parka on and gloves. It's like he's going everybody, skiing. Everybody know? here's wearing a jacket today. Wow. Yeah, well, you know, Sirius recently spent a ton of money renaming the Sirius dog Stella. We had to do a lot of research. <laughs> and uh, I think they just ran out of money for heat. So Stella or Stellar? Stella. But it's just, oh. I think it's a play on Stellar. Like, okay. you know. Up in the sky, it's stellar AR. Yeah. But Howard, to get um, back to the Hall and Oates thing, they yeah. have dates coming up that they've canceled. So now oh. they're just going to stop making money. Wow. Fucking well, unbelievable. Why would, why would you think that Oates had something to sell that Daryl's name isn't on? I don't understand that. Howard, do you remember we had Sam on from Sam and Dave? Remember those yeah. two guys? Yeah. I don't know if you remember the story, but they hated each other. I mean, hated each other. So they used to get separate dressing rooms, and they would go, ladies and gentlemen, Sam and David, they would enter from opposite sides of the stage, sing all the songs, and leave and never talk to each other for 20 years. Which is unbelievable, because you know when you're performing in front of a crowd, and you look over at your partner, there is a certain kismet. There, You know, like yeah. you kind of have a certain appreciation for the history of your of your musical love affair but man they you got to really hate each other i heard hall and notes on their tour they're in separate hotels i mean it's that bad hotel they don't want to run into each other they in the can't hotel even be in the same hotel and mm. different rooms they got to be in different hotels so they don't accidentally run into each other that's crazy here's a, here's a quote last year daryl hall told bill maher john and i are brothers but we are not creative brothers we are business partners we made Records called Hall and Oates together, but we've always been very separate, and that's a really important thing for me. So there you go. Something's up. Well, I know we've never seen them together. No. Have we? <laughs> Maybe we did. I, I remember I, we had Daryl on, and I really had a, I got a kick out of Daryl. He's great. Yeah. And then I think, uh, Gary, correct me well, if I'm I wrong. I know we had Oates in at one time. Yeah, so I think it was them. Yeah, I think so. I remember, I thought it was you at first, and then it turned out it was a guy who looked like you. Oh, no, we did. We had them on because I remember I interviewed John for, like, the website afterwards. So they were on together, yeah. I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I have no recollection of that, sir. <laughs> I could read you this, but I'm not sure it's going to help us. According to the Associated Press, Oates, that's the dude who looks like um Gary. Oates is the Gary-looking dude. Oates signed a letter of intent. 
to sell his half of the duo's business venture, dubbed Whole Oats Enterprises. Uh, by allowing the firm that he was selling stuff to, to see the two guys' confidential business agreements, Hall alleges that this was an indisputable breach of the contract and thus filed a restraining order to stop Oates and Primary Wave from further pursuing a deal. So here's the so weird now, part, Howard. Primary yeah. Wave is who we deal with when we book them. That's their management company. Right. So that makes it even more confusing because John seems to be selling his half to their management company. So I'm very confused. Yeah. Well, anyway, these are the two of them are at each other's throats. Um, here's another weird thing. This is getting back to football and uh, Thanksgiving weekend. This is crazy. Uh, this is Richard and his wife. We, I don't know, we taped them or something. I don't know what it is, but uh, Richard yes, and his she's wife. She's a big Eagles fan. I know She's that. a big Eagles fan, and uh, Richard's a big Chiefs fan. And I guess the Chiefs played the Eagles at some point. And who won that one? Didn't the Eagles win that one, Richard? Unfortunately, her Eagles won, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's ha She was happy for Thanksgiving, so that's good. I'll tell you what. I mean, it's unbelievable. He found the right woman for himself. This is uh, his wife watching the Eagles game. Yes! Yes! Wow. Go on! Yes! Yes! That is a passionate woman, I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't really know your wife Eagles. that well. I mean, I've met her a few times, but... She seems pretty demure. Does that scare uh, the kids when she starts no, doing that? They love it. They get so excited because we lift them up and celebrate with them. They're they're turning into <laughs> big football fans. But and who are they fans of? Are they of fans of the are they fans of the Chiefs or the Eagles? Uh, that both for now, and we'll let them decide when they get older. But we're both trying to make them fans of each of our teams. It's like a religious uh, household that, you know, mixed marriage kind of thing. It's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, well, I'm hearing Richard trying to do something. What are you doing while she's doing that? Uh, Well, a lot of times I watch the kids. If the Eagles are on, I'll watch the kids so she can, like, enjoy the game and, and chill out. I see. So, I see. Yeah. Yeah. But for the Eagles Chiefs, she wouldn't let me watch at the house. Like she thought, I asked her a week before, I'm like, are we going to watch e your Eagles play my Chiefs together? And she's like, no, you got to get the hell out of the house. <laughs> so I was banished because when they played in the Super Bowl, we watched together and it was a horrible experience. Like the Chiefs won, but then she was so upset I had to console her. So she kicked me out of the house and I went to uh this place I love in Queens. It's a Kansas City bar where all the New Yorkers who are from Kansas City go to watch the Chiefs. John yeah, here's Richard at the here's Richard at the bar, screaming about the Chiefs. Richard, right in there. I just got a note here. During the Eagles games, Richard's wife goes on profane rants on Twitter. Wow. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Like, what is, She's been doing that like for what? years. What does she do? Like, she'll start screaming? 
on Twitter? She'll just write the F word, like if something bad happens and there's no context or anything to it. But but a lot of Eagles fans follow her because they love that. They love her passion for it. You know, she grew up an Eagles fan outside of Philadelphia, and, and Eagles fans are passionate. Did you see that? Uh, did you hear that clip that Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, the QB of the uh, Chiefs, wears the same underwear for every game? He's so superstitious. Yes, I, lo- I, I heard love it. That. Yeah, Made me an yeah. even bigger fan. I love it. <laughs> and he said, you know, he doesn't wash them, which no. means he's only washed them a few times. No, he said he does. I think he here. I got the clip. Let me just hear. I think right. he does wash them. You have a few superstitions, and that one of them has been wearing the same pair of red underwear on game day for years now. And I love a good superstition, but you know, couldn't you just do something like eating the same pregame meal? Did it have to be the red underwear? <laughs> well, you know, um, well, first my wife Brittany got them for me, so I had to. I'm not not throwing y'all down, but I have to wear them, you know. But uh, at the same time, I threw them on that first season. Um, we had a pretty good season that season. I only wear them for game day though, so I can't get. They're not too worn down. They're not like these like nasty. Und- I clean them, wash them, um, wash them. I do. I wash them. I wash them every once in a while at least. Is it a um, phone? Is it a string? What is it? I mean, if we're if we're on a hot streak, I can't wash them. You know, like I got to just keep keep. <laughs> rolling so uh wow. you know it, as long as i'm winning football games uh i'll, I'll keep the superstition going yeah, you're right never Pat, Pat, never mess with Pat, the winning streak Patrick. he doesn't you know <laughs> by the way not only doesn't mahomes wash his underwear richard doesn't wash his underwear but not for superstition he's just gross uh, well, i'm thinking true. that you know this must be a kansas city thing and and Mahomes is really being part of Kansas by not wearing or washing underwear yeah. on a regular basis. Could you imagine playing an entire game of professional football soaking through an ass smell and pee smell and everything in that underwear and not washing them? You got to be fucking nuts. And they win a lot of games in a row, too. Imagine like yeah. they're on a nine-game winning streak. How oh. they smell. <laughs> Yeah, it's he said when we're hot, when we're hot, I got to just go for it and not wash them at all. I got to just keep wearing them. But he, I'd Jeez. love to ask him, and he would probably never answer, but I'd like to know, like, does he get real chafed? Because when I don't wash mine for a while, I finally have to change them because I'll get uh, chafe in between my balls and thighs. Yeah, and, uh, the, yeah know, that's sucks. called, you're gross. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Senator Mitt Romney, how are you, sir? Oh. I'm good, Howard. How are you? I just want to say this Patrick Mahomes character has the right idea. I haven't washed my Mormon underwear in decades. Really? <laughs> it's a sacred Mormon tradition. We keep our magic underwear filthy to prove our devotion to Christ. <laughs> right. <laughs> Every skid mark and dollop of dick cheese is just a testament to my faith. Wow. Senator Romney, I won- I, I, ever since you decided not to run for office anymore, your your honesty has been insanely cr- incredible. Yeah, I love it. Maybe yeah. too much. Dick, I know. Dick I can just say whatever the fuck I want now. It's great. Yeah. Dick cheese, huh? <laughs> I want to a piece of the Virgin Mary. Do you think I'm going to yeah. wash that out? Get out of here. Well, you know, in the Mormon religion, they do have these special underwear. So I yeah. guess you're you're uh, you love it. You love underwear. It's true. And they, and it's true, Howard. They stink to high heaven, but I just say it's ripe with the love of God. Also, right. not sweat. <laughs> That's <laughs> not sweat. Okay. And they brought you me nothing smell. but good luck, Robin. Blessings and a condition known as adult diaper rash. 
<laughs> you could, uh, yeah, Richard says when he doesn't wash his underwear for a long time, yeah. his legs get chafed and his balls. All powder, so. you Mr. Romney. All right, yeah, exactly. Between the balls and the thighs, I know exactly what you're talking about, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> but I wore these puppies when I was sworn in as a senator. A blessed wow. day, even though I smelled like someone who left dead pussy in a hot car. <laughs> wow. I'll tell you, though, Senator Romney, uh, that magic underwear has done you well. You've done very well in life, haven't you? I have. They, they've served me well. And my wife, Ann, likes to nibble on my underwear grit. <laughs> <laughs> really? I just I just love being able to smell my balls through my pants. <laughs> I smell You're like a porta potty at the gathering of the Juggalos. <laughs> <laughs> well... Wow, and you're one of the good Republicans, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, the ones with sense. Yeah, <laughs> you have sense. Yeah, sense. S C E N T S, Robin. Sense. Yeah, you still, you still when love I walk the, past you still, flowers. They wilt. You still love the Constitution. I mean, you're a real character. Um, hey, anyway, uh, thanks for dropping by and talking about underwear and stuff. That uh, that was fun. Always oh, a pleasure, Howard. Smell you later. Right later. <laughs> Highly entertaining Senator uh, Mitt Romney, everybody. Yeah. He's awesome. Awesome guy. Uh, what else? Oh, here's Richard and his wife making love. What? Oh, nice. my goodness. I like how I scream Kelsey while we're making love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, what else did I want to tell you? Oh, I should talk OJ a little bit. It's fucked up. OJ is still around. What's he doing now? Eh, it's just more this these these guys interview him, and it's just infuriating. It's just fucking horrible. He's, he's still getting on podcasts. People people want OJ. Yeah, well, he's still on that one podcast. You know, I mean, oh, it's, that, it's the same one we listened to before. Yeah, I mean, OJ's now bragging about pussy, you know, like, like, uh, he's a, he's a chick magnet. OJ's appearing weekly as a football analyst on the YouTube show called It Is What It Is. The host is, huh. let's see, the show is hosted by Treasure Stat Baby Wilson with rappers Cameron and Maze. I don't know any of those guys, but my guys who are into rap and stuff tell me, those guys got pretty big careers. It's not like, yeah. you know, there's some yeah, you know, I know schlubby those show. Names. I might not know their songs, but I've heard those names. And they're down with OJ, I guess, unless they're they're complete geniuses. And they're like, let's get OJ to say a bunch of dumb shit by being on his team, which then I admire them. So I don't know. Well, what I'm thinking nobody else in football was available to talk to them. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> anyway, yeah, there were no other experts in football except the juice. <laughs> Recently, O.J. opened the show by telling Cameron about the women at his local bar, which is like something, again, if somebody has common sense and they kind of, you know, their wife's head was chopped off, you, you think the last thing O.J. would bring up is women. And you would think there isn't a woman on the planet that wouldn't run as fast as they could from O.J., but it doesn't seem to be the case. The fucking women are world strange is nuts. like that. Women are strange. Yeah. yeah. People are strange. Anyway, here's OJ. When they seem wicked, yes. <laughs> yeah. So here's OJ opening up about the women at his local bar. 
That is fascinating. And we are joined with our football analyst, OJ. Uncle O, what's up? Uncle O, what's happening? What's going on? Everything All I missed is you, well. man. I missed you. I thought I'd see you at my little Friday night haunt, which used to be Thursday and Saturday night. But now that I'm not playing uh, golf on Saturday morning, I, I go to my spot and you would have liked it. I, I would, <laughs> listen, every time, every time I meet you, it's a great environment. I'll just leave it at that. The environment's great. Well, you, you, you'd be surprised how many girls got father issues and granddaddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? It is infuriating listening to these guys giving OJ friendship. It it, it is infuriating, but it is fascinating. uh, You'd be shocked how many women have granddaddy issues. No, dude, we're shocked that they have a death wish. Because when you get involved with a gal, it could go really off the rails. I tell you, always was a real lady killer. And wait a killer too. <laughs> hey OJ. Hey Uncle O. That's a pretty funny joke. I like it, of course. <laughs> Uncle O. OJ then tells the guys he has no problem attracting women. His buddies call him bait because uh OJ brings in you know, brings in the fish. <laughs> My two main buddies I run with here, Mike and Mauricio, and, uh, you know, they, they used to call me bait. All my teammates, even these guys today, they call me bait because they control with me and, uh, new ladies show up for whatever reason, the ladies show up. So, you know, I mean, what Yo, can I tell you? Know, you? Know, All we can in, do in a nice way, <laughs> you trying to say you're a pussy magnet? All I heard was OJ was a coochie magnet. Because you talking about they used to use him for the girls and all that back when he was playing and all that to get the girls. So now the shoe's on the other foot. Well, I didn't say used to. They still oh. do. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you missed well, an important point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I better correct you two before you miss the real point. I am still a pussy magnet. That's not a knife in my pants. I'm just happy to see you, ladies. Come on over. I'm just saying. I like and it's even infuriating when OJ goes, now that I don't play golf on Saturday, I'm at my spot. You should you should you should walk into a spot and people should like all run out. <laughs> you yeah, know? That, that spot should be empty because you go there. I tell you, these women love me. You'd be well, surprised. Whatever reason he doesn't <laughs> you know? he doesn't even want to know the reason. No, <laughs> I don't care I, why they're showing up. <laughs> I, I don't want to know because I'm afraid they'll all go away. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to know the reason. It doesn't make sense. Didn't, don't they read the newspaper, these girls? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised how many of these girls got head issues because they know <laughs> I cut their head off. <laughs> I don't ask uh, any questions. <laughs> I guess ladies love a bad boy. And what's better than chopping your wife's head off? <laughs> OJ, what do you do to pick up the ladies? I have my pickup line. I go, did you come from heaven? Because you look like my dead wife, Nicole, that got murdered. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, uh. 
Then OJ described the fling he had with a girl who had granddaddy issues. Here we go. You know, I spent February, March, and uh, April in Miami, in Florida. Yeah, Florida. Uh, yeah, most of Fort Lauderdale because uh, because it's spring break. <laughs> and as I told you, you'd be shocked that how many of them girls got granddaddy issues. All right. Yeah. All right there. Give me an example of a female that had a granddaddy issue that you you encountered. I'll, I'll give a, a, a this one from New Hampshire. It was one that I liked, so I gotta you know say I did like her, and it wasn't a fleeting thing. I mean, it lasted at least three days. And uh, <laughs> oh, you do it three days? Oh, yo, oh, yo, oh I'm gonna get you that oh, thing. Three days. I get all that thing. He had to go back to school. Oh, you're our hero, Razzle Dazzle. This was a nice young lady. I stayed with her for three days. Uh, it would have been four, but she escaped my prison cell. It wasn't a fleeting thing. It no, was no, no. Three whole days. <laughs> and then she made the mistake of talking to a waiter, and I had to kill the bitch. Ha, ha, ha. It happens. A lot of these young girls at spring break I like because they're they're old enough to know I'm famous, but young enough to not be sure why I'm famous. <laughs> I tell these girls, these young girls, no one leaves OJ. OJ do the leaving. OJ, only three days, huh? That's right. I only stay with the ladies for three days. That's when the bodies start to smell. Right. Got it. Well, holy, holy shit. Just imagine you raised the daughter. Oh. And she goes off to oh. spring break. Dad, <laughs> dad, I'm dating someone famous. Oh, that sounds interesting. Who? OJ. Uh. <laughs> do you know what, he, do you know what he was accused of doing? And most people seem to think he got away with it. Yeah, I thought he was weird. He, he read me a poem he wrote. What was that? Roses are red, violets are blue. If you cross me, it's the end of you. <laughs> yeah, he means it. You, you, could be, you could be sure of that. Despite OJ's success with women, he says his friends sometimes call him a dick magnet, believe it or not, too. What? He's not only a, yeah, he's not only a pussy magnet, he's a dick magnet. Listen to They're this. They're guys who want to bend over OJ? Yeah. You know, you got the beach. You got the main beach there at Fort Lauderdale, and... Uh, it's a little crazy there because it's, you know, with me, uh, um, you know, the boys get on my case, right? Uh, I don't know how to use this language. Uh, they yeah. call me, they be teasing me, and they call me the dick magnet. And I say, come on, <laughs> man. What are you about? Yeah. I get more girls, I get more girls coming than guys coming. So hey, we hope, said, let's count. I, I hope, I so hope we started counting. definitely we got more than guys. I had, I was up to 78 girls, 420 guys. That's crazy. That ratio is wild. But there were fans. There were all these fraternities, you know, it's, it's oh, spring break. God. All these guys down there. Oh, God. What's wrong with the world? It's so sick out there. Hide in your homes. Don't leave. <laughs> Just go to work and then go right home. Fucking world is nuts. And don't talk to anybody between in that trip from home to work and work to home because you don't know who you're talking to.
And I like that OJ, like, is upset that his friend, you know, come on, guys, don't call me a dick magnet. I mean, I might be a double murderer, but I'm not gay. Yeah. Oh, just so you guys. <laughs> Who are these people running up to OJ on the beach? 400 guys. They, they want my autograph. <laughs> and you know they're what fighting it is? through the girls to get to OJ. What do you come to spring break for? <laughs> wow. These girls, uh, they seem to be way into me, OJ. Wow. I want to meet these girls. What the hell yeah. could they be? Could the girls who have been with OJ start calling? Yeah, please call in. Yes. Hi. <laughs> I can't do I can't do the impression. <laughs> I need relationship advice, Uncle OJ. What do I do if my woman leaves me? What are my what are my possibilities that I might do to get her to stay? Oh, that's easy. Wow. OJ, having a good time too. Like, you know, hey, I don't golf on Saturdays I got now. Spot. You know, yeah, I mean, he's got, my got his regular bar that he goes to. Everybody knows mm. if you want to hang out with OJ, you come here. Yeah, it's the spot. Yeah. There you go. My wife, Nicole, ain't got no head. Somebody went and stabbed her dead. I don't worry. No, because I'm OJ. <laughs> I owe millions to the Goldman family, but they won't see a cent from me. I don't worry. <laughs> I'm OJ. I don't right. worry because I'm OJ. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't worry. Because oh, I'm OJ. Uh, I don't worry because I'm OJ. <laughs> Uh, oh. I'm just saying, guys. Because <laughs> oh. I'm OJ. Uh. Take care. <laughs> Take it easy, OJ. Nice. It's awesome. I see there's a lot of people on the phone. I'll get to everybody, but uh, hopefully. But I got to take a break. And uh, there you go. That's uh, some of the things, but that doesn't even begin to touch on all the things we got to talk about. Our friend, uh, Patty Smythe, whose real name was Patty Smith, but there was already a Patty Smith, so she became Patty Smythe. And every time I hear the name Patty Smythe, I think of um, Mad Magazine had Alfred E. Newman, and Crack Magazine had a guy named Smythe. They had, remember Crack Magazine? They had. Yeah. Sylvester P. Smythe. Right. He, he was there. <laughs> I love Mad Magazine and Crack Magazine. Sylvester P. Smythe. And uh, this song, Patty originally recorded this song for Columbia Records with Eddie Van Halen on guitar and Don Henley singing with her. And then um, Columbia Records didn't like it. So Patty released it later on MCA Records without Eddie on the track. No Eddie. So I'd like I'd like to hear the original with Eddie. I'd be curious, Eddie Van Halen. Um, hello, Arabata. All right, good. Thank you.
Sometimes Mrs. John McEnroe, did you tell people? Oh, yeah, she's a lucky woman. Imagine <laughs> what goes on in that house. Sometimes love just ain't enough. Number one on the Billboard Top 100, 1992, coming at you. I'm like Casey Kasem's Jr. <laughs> Look at me. And there's uh, a tie in there. You know, Bradley is also a big tennis fan. Uh, oh, yeah? I've seen him a few times in the Royal Box at Wimbledon. Big fan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go to Jamie in California. I'll get to Bradley uh, in a half hour or so. Yeah, Jamie, go ahead. No, Jamie. These phones working? Sounds awfully dead. Quack, quack. Jamie. Oh, look at this. Oh, maybe she's oh, she fell asleep. Or he. Jamie could be a this this is one of those famous cases where I keep people on hold so long they fall asleep. <laughs> Listen to this. I love this. This might be one of my favorite bits we've ever done where we keep yeah. someone on keep someone on the air through the entire show just snoring. Like the whole time right. I'll talk to Bradley, I'll just leave Jamie up, you know, wait to see how long it takes. <laughs> we used the time to see how long it would take someone to get up. I don't think I'm gonna do that today, but I got too much to get to. But there were there were days on terrestrial radio I said, you know, I got someone on the line snoring away. I bet you I bet you I could just keep people listening to snoring all morning to see when the guy wakes up. And it worked. I mean, it, it, I have to say we got big ratings with stuff like this. Um, oh. Hey, Fred, let, what happens if you hit an alarm sound Getting effect? louder. Let, let's wake we'll this see. guy up. Let's see what happens. Time to get up. Oh, is that annoying? No, no. It <laughs> didn't do a thing. <laughs> These alarms, they don't work. I'm telling try again, Fred. Very nice. Jamie. Let's see, what was the question? Jamie, the Beatles, which of your mo which of their movies is your favorite? Who the fuck knows? I mean, uh, Hard Day's Night, Help. Then there was the cartoon. Uh and let it be, of course. Well, I remember going to the theater to see Hard Day's Night and girls were so screaming so loud. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. hear anything. It was crazy. It was nuts. All right, I hung yeah, up. I watched it years later and, oh, there was a story. <laughs> it was a real movie. It wasn't just the songs and all of us screaming. Yep. Helen, you're on the air in Indiana. Hey, good morning, Howard. Good morning, Robbie. Good morning, Fred. I just wanted to check and see if you got a chance to watch uh, the special on HBO about Albert Brooks. It was so awesome. And I wanted well, to know what your favorite Albert Brooks movie is. First of all, it, I like Albert Brooks a lot. So, uh, you know, who doesn't? But uh, I haven't seen it yet because I had no time to watch TV over the holidays with all my kids and everything being here. So... You know, I had a lot going on, but it is on my list because I've seen Rob Reiner on a couple of shows promoting it. And I think oh. anything Rob Reiner directs is always good. You know, he's, oh. he's a brilliant guy, Rob Reiner, and a real Wonderful. patriot. I really like Rob Reiner a lot. I, 
I, I just think that guy's got his shit together, especially he grew up in Hollywood with his father being so famous, Carl Reiner. Um, he somehow pulled out of all that, and he's like a normal dude who's got super talented uh, acting skills, directing skills. Yeah. He didn't He's an do all around a, genius. Uh, reality show and no. uh, embarrass his parents. <laughs> no, he's like he's he's really a together dude from everything I can tell. I sometimes watch him on Ari Melber and his political views are smart. He's articulate. And then when he directs a film, it's always so good. And and uh I don't know, he just seems like a great guy. And he can do it all, uh, comedy, drama, you know, like he doesn't, yeah. he's not pigeonholed in any way. He's a real auteur, as they say. Yeah, and he, um, so he was evidently best friends with Albert Brooks going all the way back to high school. And Albert Brooks would go over his house and entertain guys like uh, Carl Reiner and uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Because he was a I'm good fan, a, a yeah, good friend of Carl's. Yeah. Yeah, and Sid Caesar and all those dudes. Like, uh, you know, Albert Brooks would just go over. And one of the things I picked up on some of the promotion with this David, with this Albert Brooks movie by uh, Rob Reiner, is that he wouldn't even go to a club and work out his routines when he'd do stand up on uh, Johnny Carson. You know, most stand ups, all stand ups, do not go on Johnny Carson without taking their tested and most killer material and go on there this guy albert brooks would come up with a bit in his head and then go on the tonight show and never having done it in front of a live audience he just kind of had enough confidence that he thought he was funny and he did it i mean that ventriloquism routine and all that other stuff was so great but uh, yeah albert brooks is a true genius and but rob reiner is really out there man that guy that guy's a super talent and, you know, if he had just been on um, All in the Family and left it at that, he would have been great. But then he got into directing, and he directed some killer movies. Didn't he do When Harry Met Sally? Is he the director yes. on that one? Yes, yeah. and, Amazing. and a, a Few Good Men. He did that yeah. one, too. That's awesome. And, of course, the greatest movie ever, Spinal Tap. Yes. Yeah. Did he direct that? Uh, That's yeah. Christopher Guest, is no, not? I think uh, Rob that was Rob Reiner. That was his first movie, hmm. Spinal Tap. Wow. Um, Albert Brooks's movies, I like uh, Defending My Life. Yeah, your oh. life. Yeah. Defending your Thank life. Thank you. Thank you, Howard. I love you so much, and thanks for taking my call. That's I'm, that's one of my favorites, too. Thank you so much. You You mean the world to me. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, before Bradley gets in here, I did want to clear up something. What happened? I know right before we went on vacation for Thanksgiving break, there was a whole big dinner of my guys planned with uh, Blit, JD, Chris Wilding, and others, Jason. They were all going out for some fancy duck dinner. <laughs> And I was like, oh, shit, these poor ducks. I love ducks. These poor ducks had to die to, eat for, to feed those fuckers. But anyway, the big report I'm getting is there was a big fight between J.D. and Chris. And they were sitting now at opposite ends of the table. They couldn't even. And now their friendship is over. What's going on there, Jason? What can you tell us? They were so yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was I wouldn't say that either, Robin. But go ahead. Uh, this might be part of the problem here. No, it's I not. thought we were it's all having this. fun. I thought we were having uh, a great night. We we're out drinking at a very fancy 
place and restaurant and drinks and drugs and all sorts of fun festivities, laughter. And then I, I left the table to go outside to uh, have a smoke. Uh, I come back upstairs very happy and the entire mood has changed. You know, you could just feel it before I even got to the table. And, um, and, and then Blitz goes, uh, um, oh, well, Jason's the boss. He should have mediate and, and, and fix your guy's friendship. And so I sat down and I tried to talk to JD, but I was too high to really follow what was going on. <laughs> you mean, JD, is, you mean you came back, you got high outside. Right. right. You come back and these two guys are going at it. They're not and, going at it. It's over. I missed whatever happened. It is now just like an ugly negative energy at the table. And now you're so wasted. What were you right. smoking, by the way? That is some some one of my one of my uh, super joints. So it was like one of those uh, joints that have a have a whole bunch of stuff put in wax and they roll it around in the key. But yeah, it's, it's super. It's what really do you mean super? Up. Like you mean it's got a filter on it? Is that what you mean? It it it's it's ground weed, but then it also has other like weed products. I'm not like the science guy. I don't know all the the terms, but it has like it's rolled around the keef, which is some extra weed, and then it has some concentrated weed put inside of it, so it's even. Stronger weed packed in the regular weed, so it's like a supercharged joint. Were you shocked to read that? I'll get back to the argument, but were yeah. you shocked to read that Snoop Dogg has given up weed? I mean, that's like his whole identity. Yeah. Well, I, do you? That's not, I, uh, I ain't buying it. I, I don't think that's true. It's something. Yeah. There's some product he has coming out that's. Uh, oh, I he's see. very clear of saying he's done smoking weed, but there's the rumor is that he has a, a, a line of edibles coming out. So this is to gin up you know, some sort of promotion. Somebody asked me if I wanted my own line of edibles, and I was like, no, man, I'm not into substance. I mean, um, no, by the way, you know me. I, I think every drug should be legalized. I think, you know, everything should be legalized. I don't think it should be, right. you know, I don't think you should go to jail for getting high. And, uh, but, but I, I mean, that ain't, that ain't me, man. I don't, I don't like getting high. I fucking hate it. Hate yeah, it. I don't know why, like, I wouldn't. You know, I buy like Snoop Dogg's weed because I associate him with weed and liking weed. I don't know if I buy the Howard Stern weed. I just yeah, don't right. associated you with exactly. Like, oh, it's gonna be like, hey, so what, what would he know about <laughs> weed? Yeah, right. Would, what would <laughs> be, like, be good? You know. Well, let's face it. None of these celebrities really know anything. A company has weed, and they go, "Hey, can we put your name on it?" Let's let's be upfront about it. But um, <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the argument. So you yeah, go out and so get high, and you I'm come back, and then, and then I can only imagine yeah. being high. And then JD goes, "You go, hey JD, what happened between you and Chris?" And he goes, "I, I see." So he <laughs> said, I, I, and he said to me, and what? I said to him, <laughs> "Is that what it sounds like?" Are you there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> JD, why don't you? We're all straight now. Why not you explain to us what happened between you and Chris without Chris interrupting? Well, I was, uh, I was a little. We were both a little drunk, and I don't know how it came up. And I shouldn't have said anything in the first place. I should have just let it go, whatever. But for whatever reason, I thought I was able to um, express something that uh that i've been feeling and but uh, you know not exactly i'm not big into confrontation and stuff i thought we could sort of do it in some like jokingly way or something i don't know so uh i don't know I, again i don't know how it came up it's we're talking and he's like Have and you i said anything yet shut up shut up <laughs> is so, this pretty much the explanation you got no Jason? no hold on no, hold right, on right. hold on right so i said to him right. you know i you know it kind of annoys me that you do an impression on me like almost during every meeting uh you know you know something like that 
and uh, he sort of, you know, got you know, a little offended or whatever. He goes, well, what about this person? Well, what about that person? They, they do an impression of you too, you know? And I go, well, they don't do it as much as you do. He goes, that's not true. That's not true at all. And well, uh, you know what, JD, I'm understanding what you're saying. And I will well, say this to Chris, JD's kind of a, JD's a really good sport. You know, <laughs> the JD well, impression. Howard, can, I, can I just stop you for a second? Cause I okay, really don't ahead. want to, I'm really not looking to do like, you know, a team, Chris team, JD, whatever. I'm just, I'm not, I express, he's not going there. <laughs> I'm just, I haven't okay. said anything yet. Right, I love right. Chris. I love you. I'm just trying to give, I'm going to give Chris a new perspective. <laughs> Here's the thing. JD's a real good sport. He is. And you can tease him a little bit about, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Now, I mean, on the air, you can do it, and uh, I do it, you know, I'll always go, rah, 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 rah. off the air, I never do it. I don't like doing it, because uh, he gets, he gets, you know, after a while, it's got to be a little bit debilitating. So I think if J.D. comes to you and says, look, I'm feeling, it's so much fun to do the J.D. impression. I understand what Chris, <laughs> and it's an easy laugh. Everybody well, loves it. But, like, well, sometimes we'll be in a meeting, and J.D. will just go, I have an idea, for, and then everyone goes, rah, rah, like he gets drowned out with like like a, a lot of people just going Rah. and something like well JD has some good stuff to say but I think he he just says to himself I'm going to keep quiet so everyone doesn't jump on my back right he's being stifled um, yeah so <laughs> what I'm saying is I think JD was probably saying hey, Chris sometimes it it really hurts and Chris I w if I was Chris I would have said you know I hear you okay you know I'll 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 try to catch myself once in a while. You know, I'll probably slip into it here and there, especially in a meeting where we're trying to be funny. What, what? do you think? I think you overreacted, Chris. I wasn't there. Um, but, um, do you think what well, I'm saying has some legitimacy? There is. What's strange about this is, you know, listen, in June, J.D. and I were on the air literally kissing each other. Yeah. Back in right. Miami, we were holding hands on a plane. You know, J.D. and I have had on-air and off-air tiffs in the seven or eight years I've worked here, something has happened in the last month and a half. I believe certain parties are in JD's head about me. And I think uh -oh. when I then go and no, this is true. Something is happening behind the scenes. There's been a smear campaign for a good six months, but it's really built up in the last month and a half. And I have some proof. So that, oh, you do so have that, proof. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's the proof? Listen, I mean, I know as far back as Miami, there were people going around to mutual friends of mine, like a JD, saying, don't hang out with Chris Wilding. Don't hang out with John Blitt. They're going to ruin your credibility at this organization. It's a smear campaign. Who has it credibility? Happens. So hold on. Exactly. Uh, JD, is there anybody putting a thought in your head? So this was the second. This is sort of what led into this. He, you know, he, he goes, I know, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. And then he says this, and then that sort of offended me a little bit because it's like, oh well, now, now I can't have a a, a thought of my own. What is the JD, uh, JD? No, it's not. It's not Excuse true. At all. Me. I, go ahead, Chris. What would the purpose yes, of a smear campaign? You mean to tell me somebody is so vested in you not being friends with JD that they're smearing your good name? Well, it's not just JD. I think a lot of similar things happened between Ralph and I because it was a, a similar thing where all of a sudden, in that kind of span I'm talking about. 
Suddenly, if I made a joke, it was a little too serious. If I did JD's voice, oh, it was. A li- we were we were in a meeting, a, a, a writers' meeting last week. Everyone was taking a strip off of JD. Everybody was doing the voice, you know, making a joke. Where about are you him. guys at right so, now? Let's. Let I'm me out just of the JD be- business. I will not make <laughs> any more jokes about JD. I will not say right. his voice. I'm not putting up jokes anywhere about him. I don't. If if I've done something to offend him, and there's a sensitivity with me. He doesn't have to worry about that anymore. I'm out of the JD business. Wow, that's big. Uh, JD, what do you think about Chris being out of the JD business? I listen. If he <laughs> again, I was just trying to say, you know, you can pick your spot. Sometimes you have to do it every. Shut up, friend. You have to do it every time. Um, right, but right. he has taken. He's uh, he's blocked me on Twitter. He's uh, unfriended me on Instagram. I didn't block you on Twitter. Absolutely not. I don't, Chris, I go to your profile and you're, <laughs> I'll show you right now. I didn't block you, buddy. What, just that? No. Listen, I spoke to, to Jason. We were at, right we were at dinner. <laughs> Maybe oh, I did. Wow. I spoke. <laughs> you blocked me. Well, I'll unblock yeah. you. That was too far. But I spoke fine. to Jason. Uh, no, no, I don't want to block you. I spoke to Jason about two weeks ago. We were at dinner. We were at a pizza place. And I said, is there, am I crazy? Or is there something about me that makes people irrationally kind of nuts and crazy? Can I tell and you Jason something? said, yeah, man, there, there's something there. So I just oh. feel things are going uh-huh. on behind the scenes, and I think it's getting to J.D.'s head. He knows <laughs> that. He hears me do his voice in a meeting, and he goes, you know what? You're right. That guy is a son of a bitch. No, there's, I, there's Here's a- my take on it. Sure. I think sometimes, I think it is what it is. With JD, there's no real big conspiracies going on. I think he's just saying, hey, sometimes it feels like you're piling on me. Can you just lighten up on me a little bit? That's it. I think that's it, all there is to it. I, It'll never happen that, again. This is, this there is just go. something. This, right. There's been a history of this. We, this is a, we've history. had this discussion before and, uh, and he texted, he, we texted about it and he texted, you know, he said, "Yeah, sometimes I can't help myself. I gotta, you know, do whatever." <laughs> I can't either. I I, I, and, I, I um, try to limit my JD impression, uh, but it's, sometimes I can't help myself. But Howard, I'm in that I do yeah. a Richard Christie voice. I do a John Blit voice. <laughs> I mean, I do right. a voice for everybody, especially in the morning meeting. That's kind of what I'm there, and I do. So I just find it odd that all of a sudden. JD is like really, really turned against me because we were never the closest of friends. So what but happened? JD, at we the di- were pretty close. What happened at the dinner? Did you guys separate what? and have to go to opposite ends of the table? No, it was just as well. We were there was at one point we were sort of talking to two different wow. uh, uh, <laughs> people, and I hear Chris, you know, saying, "Oh, I just can't be funny anymore." Apparently, I just can't be funny. And, wow. uh, so I thought, okay, uh, right. Chris, who do you suspect is the leader of the smear campaign against you? Uh, the investigation's ongoing. I do know okay. some people on what they've said, uh, and some of them are off-air people, so I cannot uh, reveal the sources. But the investigation is ongoing. I know right, people good. have well, said I am untrustworthy. I know people have said I will damage their. I am uh, cruel and mean. I will damage credibility. And John Blit gets uh, thrown into this as well a lot of the times because well, we're wow. friends. Okay. Who's well, been the victim of this? I don't. Me. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> Chris Wilde. I am the that's victim, it. Robin. That, that's, all right. We will that's, listen. That's, Continue that's to do your. JD, are you friends with Chris? That's all I want to know. Uh, right now, I, 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 I work with them. I wouldn't say we're friends. Oh, you see, Howard, this was the yeah. re, the this most was, uncomfortable, yeah. hurtful part of the dinner. And it really did hurt me, even more so than the Ralph stuff. There were two other guys at the dinner who, who were trying to calm things down. And they said, J.D., let, let's get past this. Really, you do like Chris. You're friends with Chris, right? 
he would not say he liked me or was wow. my friend. And that, wow. that must have been a great dinner. JD. And those poor ducks that died while you guys ate them. I that's oh, what the I duck feel was great. For. The duck was <laughs> worth the drama. So he likes the, the duck. He doesn't like me. <laughs> It didn't All ruin right. it for you? This big well, advice. we had the duck and then after. This was after we <laughs> ate the duck. JD, right. this is not thank like you. you, man. Something has changed. All right, Something thank has you. Changed. I'm bored now. That's enough of your fight. Okay, that's it. I'm done. I've never seen a... someone eat more duck than JD <laughs> oh, in my life. <laughs> really? That's enough for you. Oh, I'm telling you something. There were two platters of duck You're enough an for asshole. six people. All right. This guy went from one platter to the other to the other one. He's oh, get the fuck me, out of here. Me. The skin. He was, he was hoisin sauce, the cucumbers, the, the pancakes. Hoisin, I mean, I've never sauce. seen. I don't even know what hoisin, hoisin sauce, sauce is. Exactly. That little was, plum sauce is hoisin sauce. Oh, yeah. I don't even, The skin yeah, was this guy. Did he okay. need Drinking more champagne. pancakes? Did he need more yes, pancakes? Yes. He was like, I like it without <laughs> the pancakes, with the pancakes. Was there yeah. a problem that JD was hoarding most of the duck for himself? I was not and hoarding. did not have enough? He growled at people when they tried to take a piece. But uh, I was like, JD, relax. There's enough duck for everyone to go okay, around, and wow. we can order more. So uh -huh. it's a beautiful meal, though. A beautiful meal. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. There you go. That's the update on that. Evan, you're on the air in Connecticut. Hey, now. Hey, now. Quack, quack. Go ahead. Howard, Howard quack, man. Quack. I'm so excited about this Bentley Cooper interview. I I know people say it, but I look exactly like him, and I can't go a day without people telling me that I look like him. Well, you must get really? uh, tons of women because, uh, you know, Bradley Cooper <laughs> was one of the sexiest men alive. I know. I Listen, uh, my girlfriend brag, brags about it all the time. I uh, So, Robin, you know. Can you, you send uh, us a picture? Number. I want to see Can you send this? Robin yeah, needs a nude Cooper. picture. <laughs> <laughs> a nude I think I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the parking lot for work, but I can, uh, I might be able to send you a nude photo, Robin. I All can right. send you a photo though, if you want to give me Jason's email. Yes, please send us your picture. We need to compare you to the real Bradley Cooper. Very good. Yeah, he's he's gonna be here soon. By the way, a follow up to that that uh, fight. Uh, Ari from the Fish Channel was at the duck dinner, and he left oh, yeah. because it was so uncomfortable between JD and Chris Wilding. He felt really. You know, yeah, guys who are into fish, they're not into confrontation. Do you know what I mean? They're they're yeah. very chill. By the but way, yes. I don't know why every time these guys go out, it usually winds up somebody fighting. That's that's not. Hold on, that's not true. I don't know. I don't know where that note came from. Uh, Ari did it not here. Leave. Ari from I, Fish Channel left because he got uncomfortable with your fight. Oh, he might have left the table at some point, but we stayed. Actually, you know, it, it got to a point. Chris and me were just sitting there not talking. Uh, I was trying to. Talked to the nice. other people and uh, what a fun and night. Then Chris, Chris eventually got an Uber and left. So anyway, uh, my next guest uh, will be here in a couple of minutes. We're talking about Bradley Cooper. He's got a new movie out called Maestro. And uh, as you remember, Bradley Cooper, when I was going to run for president, which I think I might You're still not, have to. I was going to say you didn't tell me you had decided not to. Oh, come on. Let's not even go there. I mean, <laughs> I got, I got, we got, I got to be here with you and run the radio show. Uh, you, you and be I have president a, and run the radio show too. Come on. Meanwhile, look how successful you and I are in terms of our relationship. Like Hall and Oates can't get along. Uh, all these rock and roll band, but you and I, we just keep going. We got no problem. As far no, as I know. I don't think we have a beef. I don't know. No. We, we don't go out to dinner, so maybe it's never come up. <laughs> maybe that's what's good. Maybe we better not. We used to. Anyway, uh, i just remind you, Bradley Cooper, for those of you who are trivia experts, 
During my brief run for president, I tapped him to be a vice president. He agreed. Right. And uh, and uh, I don't know how many of you remember our campaign ads, but I thought right before he comes in, it might be worth playing. So here they Presidential are. candidate Howard Stern may be a three. I look like a big, ugly girl. But his running mate, Bradley Cooper, is a ten. You got any other questions? That averages out to six and a half. Fuck yes! Stern Cooper, 24. Basically a seven. Make sure you get your ballot in. Let's call it an eight. I love it. Nice. That was a good one. And then remember this one, too. Howard Stern and Bradley Cooper are more than a presidential ticket. They're a love story for the ages. Hey. Yeah. I just want to take another look at you. I love you, sweet love. Let me see your penis. Stern Cooper, 24. You mind? Wow. Good for you. Can't stop looking at it, can you? Damn. Big, thick penis. It's mesmerizing. Oh, my God. I don't want to stop. Nice. Very strong ads. People were uh, starting to like the idea, but, you know. You were picking up steam, and then you just stopped. Sirius XM needs me. They need me to be here. And uh, (laughs) I can't remember president. This is more important than the Actually, believe me, (laughs) I'm starting to believe I could do a pretty good job as president, but I don't know. I got a lot of baggage, so. Maybe I couldn't get elected. Although that doesn't seem to matter anymore. No, there's people with baggage running. (laughs) Robin, I'm going to say two words that are going to turn you on. Tommy John. Bradley is coming to us from his home. And, uh, remember, oh, look, look what you did. (laughs) I said, uh, I saw, hey, Bradley, how are you? Hey, how's it going? I saw I saw Bradley. Bradley invited me to his home to see the movie, and uh, the movie uh, Maestro. So I thought I'd bring him a gift. I brought him a painting, and now that's that's my uh, painting hanging by. That's it. yours. It's beautiful. Isn't that's it? Central yeah, that's Park, a, right? That's yeah, Central guy's Park. Got real talent. Real talent. See? Yeah, see? I can tell what it is without anybody telling me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a miracle. Well, anyway, how you doing, man? Hey, man, it's so good to be here. Hey, Robin. Are you? How you doing? Yeah. Are you Great. tired because of the um, the game? Yeah, I I didn't watch the game. I don't care that much about football. I know you're way into it, but uh, you're like becoming the Taylor Swift for the Eagles because when you're there at the game, they're cutting to you in the in the owner's box the entire game. Are you aware of that? Um, wait, can I just total segue for a second? Just talk. Sure. About, so yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Here we go. It's gonna go. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about right Eddie Vedder? Uh, we 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 have a lot to talk about. We'll, we'll yeah, get to everything. No, but yeah, the go first ahead. Thing I just want to. I just want to clock is just how surreal it is to think that I was listening to you in eighth grade, seventh grade with my mom waiting for the bus, and now like uh, I just dropped my daughter off to school. You're like your your army of people have been in here since like six a.m. setting up, and I'm you know talking to you at your show in in my in my home. It's so crazy with your painting on the wall. I mean, it's nuts. Anyway, it is nuts. It is nuts, nuts, Howard. It doesn't. It's like it doesn't. It's 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 really like too much. It's almost too much to to just. I just got to breathe and just like receive it. But it's so. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. And equally so, it's crazy to be like you know to beat an Eagles game and sit in a box and you know and watch it and and it's crazy you know it's crazy. It, it is crazy too because when you think about like you, even being a kid and you go oh, I want to be an actor and then all of a sudden like that works out because you know how many guys don't even get a shot or they yeah. just kind of they just can't get their career off the ground and they're talented people. 
It, it's yeah. just there's only so much room for people to act and become famous and get good roles. And then, you know, and it's like, yeah, and it's got to be weird for some dude you used to listen to on the radio. And then you're on his show. I, I know well, it's, it's even weird. weirder is like uh, that dude that I used to listen to on the radio. He doesn't exist anymore because that was this this sort of mythological figure in my head. You know, <laughs> now there, there's a human being who I kind of love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, back at you. We've developed a nice little friendship between the two yeah. of us. We really have it. Low. You, you know, you're, you're so funny. You. You were at my home and you left your bathing suit at the house. And when I said to you, hey, we'll send you the bathing suit. You didn't want the bathing suit back. You uh, said, when you see me, bring me the bathing suit. And it was like a year since you got the <laughs> bathing suit. just brought it back. It just brought it back. I mean, you know, I'd be, I'd be upset that I didn't have my bathing suit, you know. But uh, oh, anyway. I, was, I felt privileged. Anyway, enough about the bathing suit. But, but speaking of like going to an Eagles game and sitting in the owner's box. Like, what, how does that happen? Does the owner get in touch with you? And he so, goes, So when hey. I did Silver Linings Playbook, you know, back in 2010 or 11, I was, I, um, the Eagles, you know, opened up their, their, uh, enterprise to us to a, a large degree. And then I became friends with, um, uh, Jeff's wife. And then, and then I met Jeff Laurie also. And then Andy Reid was the coach at the time. And he was so friendly to me, I remember. And I just developed a friendship with him then. Uh, and then, um, and then it's just, uh, progress and he's a great guy. He's a great guy. And, uh, yeah. And then I'm just lucky enough to be able to, um, you go to a lot of games and been able to bring my daughter and my mom and, uh, friends. And it's been, it's, it's, it's been amazing to watch my daughter. She now actually is able to tell when we're on defense and offense. And she's like, go D, go D. Is it weird <laughs> to, to like, do you get uptight saying to them, hey, I want to come to the game? I mean, because, you know, you don't want to be a schnurrer. You want to, like, you know, you don't want to take advantage of their generosity. So you got to, like, right. time, right? You can't go to every game. Okay, I'm glad you're telling me that. Okay. Right? Oh, you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> You've been going every game? <laughs> Shit. Okay. And, and how do you get out of there? In other words, it, it's got to be insane because people get excited when you're there. And, 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 and do you leave early? Because if I go to a Nick no, game, leave I leave early. I, oh my God. No, 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 no. I stay to the end. Are you kidding? Why would I go leave they, early? Yeah. And how do they get you in and out of there? I mean, is, I mean, is, it's really, honestly, it's not no big. I mean, we, there's a parking lot, Jay, uh, uh, this guy, Danny Alvarado, great guy drives us from, from New York. And then we go, um, we, we, he's waiting there and we go right in the car and we go home. Yeah. I mean, it's in traffic, but. And Bradley, what kind of food do they serve in that box? I mean, are you? I don't know. I don't you, usually the good food like prime rib. I don't really eat. I'm too, uh, you know. I eat the popcorn and then I um, uh, that's it. You know, I actually just uh, <laughs> I've had this battle with the nicotine my whole life, and and literally yesterday, and I stopped. I used to chew like nicotine. First, I used to dip all the time. I think the first time I was on, I was I used to dip all the time. Horrendous, wow. horrendous. I can't believe you did that. I know. And then um, and then I didn't do the all of Maestro, no nicotine. And then I don't know where I was with. I was like, yeah, I could take a little, like those little lozenges. And that's it. I do one. I can't stop like all day long. And yesterday, and I know I because I don't drink. I don't do drugs. It's like, oh, I'm going to die. My heart's going to explode from nicotine. And then um, I'm sitting there watching the game. It's a crazy game. And I'm, I've am i got, you know, two milligrams of uh, nicotine in my system. And I, I literally thought I was going to have a heart attack. And I was like, that's it. So that's it. I stopped nicotine. That's it. It's over. I didn't, you know, I when I was watching Maestro, the amount of smoking that Leonard Bernstein does, know. you know, when you're in character as Leonard Bernstein, every scene, I think the guy's smoking a cigarette and I'm sitting there going, oh, shit. You know, you forget back in the day, people smoked. They thought it was healthy. 
I know. And here's a guy who's got all this talent and everything, and he's smoking like a chimney. Yeah, started smoking when he was 13 years old. You know, ashtray in the bathtub kind of thing. And then, you know, yeah. I mean, my dad smoked like that. And I, th- I thought, oh, my God, he this guy's killing and him. And he died of lung yeah. cancer. Yeah. It's crazy. You know what else was crazy? Just to, uh, speaking of my dad, this is, I don't know if this happens to you or anything, but, you know, this rarely, you know, my dad's been dead since 2011. And, um, you know, you sort of, uh, you move on through life and you almost forget that he was alive and impacted other people. I don't know if you feel that way. And I was there at the game yesterday and this guy comes up and he said, hey, I just want you to know uh, I work with your pop. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I work with your pop, Charlie Cooper, as your dad. I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, just you know this already, but he was a very special man. And he just sort of walked away, and I, and I was floored. What did your old man just, do? He was uh, a stockbroker. He was an really? institutional broker in Philadelphia. Yeah. He uh, he came from North Philly, um, only guy to go to college, except for one guy in his neighborhood. Um, you know, had a bit of a rough upbringing and um his whole goal was like just to make money and kind of get out of the neighborhood but he always i think i talked to you about this before but he always like you know when i was a kid he would show you know he loved tom waits and you know and and he loved he loved movies and we lived uh, our backyard were train tracks in a movie theater so we would always he would always take me to the movies and you know complicated guy that i loved him but it was just so great to hear this guy you know and this guy who was not young just talk about my father and it's like oh yeah 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 my father like existed yeah if i remember understand what i'm saying it's a surreal it's 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 it really like floored me i mean i was floored when this guy came up to me yesterday i know what you mean because whenever i um see bill maher I always go up to him. I said, you know, I used to work with your father. When I was a young guy at NBC, his father worked in the newsroom at the radio station. And uh, I start talking to him and I can just see he lights up. You know what I mean? Right. Because I yes. had this connection with his father. I knew him as a co-worker. Right. Really. And it's weird. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa. Yeah, it is. Like, I could see. Exactly. I could see this guy's eyes and he knew Charlie Cooper, my dad. It was just so nice to see another guy who knew my dad and talk about him and it, 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 it was um it was very it was like a special moment your dad got to see some of your success he was alive i think through hangover 2 right um no uh, yes you're right he di- he died we were shooting hangover 2 i was worried cuz he was sick and i uh, and we were shooting in thailand and he died we came back on uh, new year's eve i believe we 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 flew back to america cuz remember we had like two new year's eves and then uh, he passed away on january 15th so right, you know, two weeks later, I took him and, uh, to, a, to an Eagles game in between there. Are you sitting there shooting the hangover too, going, oh, my father's dying. I shouldn't be. Oh, oh Howard, it was a, I was a mess. I mean, I was like, uh, yeah, uh, I was just praying that nothing was going to happen before before we finished. Going back to these uh, going back to the movie. So you were talking about your love of nicotine and then you, you gave it up. But I asked you this after I saw the movie. You had a smoke. I mean, how long did you film that movie, The Maestro? How long was the actual film? 55 filming? day shoot. I think 55 day shoot. 55 day shoot. And the yeah. whole time you're smoking cigarettes. Yeah. How do you avoid getting, I mean, I saw, I well, watched real cigarettes, in- Howard. They're not, they're just, uh, they're like herbal cigarettes. There's, there's no nicotine. There's no, uh, tobacco. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's, I don't even know what it is. It's horrendous. Yeah. It's, it's nothing you want to keep doing. I'll tell you that. But you do wake up in the morning coughing. Yeah, well, I mean, but, the, it's, the but point. they aren't they aren't they aren't sort of addictive cigarettes. Really, I didn't if even anything, know there was. If anything, it'll if anything, it'll make you not want to smoke. 
It's, it's like, wow. it's like a, you know, like smoking like leaves from your backyard that you rolled up. It drives me crazy when I watch a movie and a guy is smoking and they don't inhale. Because I, I used to be a smoker, too. And if yeah. I see them faking smoking a cigarette... Does that happen? Do that happens in you, movies? Oh, tons of movies. You see really? the guy like blow, blowing out the smoke and you know he hasn't inhaled. And it bugs huh. the fuck out of me. I was watching well, you like no, a I'm, hawk. I, I, I inhaled, bro. Yeah. No, you did. I know. And I, I was know you would have told there. me. I saw, you know... Like, I'm going to catch him. I'm going to catch him. I tell you, this... Um, this movie, Maestro, I got so many questions about it, and uh, it's it's really a remarkable movie. I loved it. You know I loved it, but I don't, you know, first of all, I realized two times now you directed movies. Did we ever you talk had, about how I asked you to do it, Star is Born? Did we ever talk about that? I've never told anyone <laughs> because, I, because I felt bad for the guy who got the role. I didn't want to, like... You want to talk about that? Can I talk about it? I I, I would. I, I mean, great. You tell the story. Howard, we shave your head. We shave, and you were open to it. Yeah, I because I, 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 well, the thing was, I love you know the thing about Howard. Uh, to me is, you know, he was this mythological figure. And then I still remember how many times I've done the show three maybe, but the first time I remember. And I saw you in person. I couldn't believe how gentle your eyes are, how kind your eyes are. Like, you can't even hide it. As much of an asshole you try to be, to me, it's like, well, look how kind his eyes are. It's impossible. Yeah. It's just impossible to hate the guy. And I just felt like, uh, and I just, you know, people's faces and eyes and, and the voice. And I just, and there was something about our dynamic. And I thought, as I was writing the, the script with Eric Roth, I thought, you know, this is pre pre Sam Elliott, right? This is there, there right. was no brother character. This was this was the, the, the nascent stages. I had just done the, the test with Gaga to try to get her the role, remember? And I showed it to you, right? Yep. And yeah. I, in the, in I the went car. over your place, and I th was it in a car or something? Yeah, it was weird. It was like somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. In an iPad in the car. Yeah. You took out an iPad and said, "Hey, um, this is." Um, you were showing me Gaga, and uh, you know, just sort of early stuff you were shooting. Yeah. And I was most concerned that you wouldn't come off like a rock star That's because, right. That's you right. know, I was like, I, I was like, I, I got to hear you sing. And you said, hey, do you think I can sing? I said, fuck, yeah, I think you're killing it. I mean, we'll get back to me in the movie, but because <laughs> I've never told that story anywhere <laughs> and I do want to tell it. Um, but but here's the thing. I am still blown out that that movie came out. A Star is Born. And you, I mean, you had two hit fucking songs. I mean, genuine hits off of that movie. And I said to you, dude, go out on tour. You could have a major career as a rock star. And you turned to me and said, I have no interest in singing. But there was nothing hotter at that point than you off of A Star Is Born. You could have sold out concert halls. Did anyone approach you about doing major concert shows? No. Really? No. And it I, I didn't know. occur to you that you could do that? Uh, no. And didn't you win a, <laughs> didn't you win like two Grammys for that? Yeah. Crazy. What? You look at that like it's not a big accomplishment. Oh, that's I, not true. Come on. What are you talking about? It's, are you kidding? I actually have it in the, downstairs in the living room because they're so beautiful. I'm like, yeah, look at that. No, I, I, it's huge. I, I just, first of all, it wasn't my voice. It was the characters, the way he sings. And, um, whoa, 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 I was whoa, whoa, actually, whoa, stop that. Explain that to me. In other words, you well, just keep like, saying it, that. Well, it's just that he, you know, he sang in a different, that guy Jackson Maine sang with that voice. You know what I mean? If I, me, 
we're going to sing. Like, remember, I remember Billy Joel talking about he never really, he always, he always could imitate so many people's voices and his, his singing voice was a, uh, you know, sort of a, uh, um, what's it called? Like a melange, a, you know, a, a bunch of patchwork of all these different voices. That's kind of the, what, what Jackson Maine is. So if I were going to start singing as like a whole, first of all, you can't, for me, it's like, that would be a whole lifetime thing. I mean, it took me a year, Howard of training with this guy roger love i think we did it three or four times a, a week just so i could get up and sing in front of people because it, it's so hard i found it because of breathing so and it wasn't it's not something deep inside me like maestro i spent six years on it because i was i'm absolutely obsessed with conducting i was not well, obsessed with singing i was obsessed with being a like that i could play a rock star potentially like everything that that sort of meant but don't you see a theme here you're obsessed with musicians you were yes. obsessed no, with being I love a rock music. star. I'm obsessed with music. Obsessed. Yes. And then, and then Leonard Bernstein is a musical prodigy. I mean, you you really tie in with musicians. I feel the same way about musicians. Yeah. They move me. I think they're yes. the greatest artists ever. Yeah, and like music's they, the best art form there is. I mean, and to me, cinema can transcend when you lock it into music. But I have said to people, like, okay, here, I'll refresh people's memory. This song was huge. Tell me something. I mean, yeah. I don't give a fuck what you're channeling here. Well, oddly were, enough, that's more my voice. And, and, and I remember when we were doing that, I, I I did in the lower register, and I was like, this just isn't good. I, and I said, I think I, he's got it. He's got. You know, he also has to show people that he can sing. That Jackson Maine can actually sing, and it's not all just the gravelly thing. So you, and I mean, that was we. You could have Bradley maybe dubbed in a voice. But that would have sucked, right? If you had it. Well, there's really no way the, the whole thing, you know, when I, we were researching it and what, I mean, the whole point of casting or not the whole point, but you know, the, the nuclear power of the movie is Lady Gaga's voice I, that has to be recorded live. And so we recorded all the vocals live. And then, you know, so I had to learn how to sing. Otherwise, I mean, cause you know, the st story of the movie happens when they're on stage singing. I mean, it would have been a joke. First of all, I would have felt like such an idiot. If right, I was opening my mouth. Right. <laughs> and it would have looked no, bogus. It would have been crazy. But and I thought know, that my voice was good enough that I believe it. As long as I believe it, I'm like, no, I believe it. I believe that guy was real. I totally are, believe it. Maybe I'm not making my point. There are rock stars who can't get a hit. You know what I mean? There are people who who do this for a living and are trying to find their next song. Here you come along. Did you write this song? No, I didn't write it. No, no, no. All right. What about this? And then this one's also a hit. Oh, I love this song. Oh my gosh. Jason Isbell, he wrote this song. Oh my Maybe God. it's time to let the yeah. old ways This song kills you, me, man. But you're doing a great job with it. I mean, that was one take at 3 a.m. I still remember. And I was like, oh, yeah. That was a, yeah, I love that song. That, that really is the character right there. Did you have any idea when you were recording these things for the movie? Did you have any inkling that, man, these might be on the radio and become huge hits? I mean, I didn't think that, but but I did think we were very judicious about like making sure we were we were we worked on tons of songs, you know, uh, uh, Lucas Nelson, uh, David Cobb, all these great musicians, uh, writers were, were working with us, uh, Mark Ronson, and and I was yeah, the bar was like it can't we can't put anything in the movie that I don't feel like is a dope, you know, really dope song. So I would yeah, I was in love with the music, you know. The only one I was scared of was the one that I wrote myself, <laughs> Black Eyes, which I you know. 
was like, I wrote a song and arranged it really by myself. <laughs> what, 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 I don't know what gives you that confidence. When you, like, I once went into a studio with Rob Zombie and Rob told me to sing and I couldn't do it. I, I just, I, I could yeah. not, I couldn't yeah, wrap my terrifying. head around it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. terrifying. It was yeah, the most horrible experience of my life. You cannot hide. That's why I wanted to make a, a love story where people were singing because I thought if I, if I could really learn how to sing and, and I could sing with Lady Gaga, we, we could do something like very special. Cause yeah, you can't hide when you sing. It's impossible. But you must have had some idea that you could sing. In other words, I don't know. You must have yeah, sung I mean, look, somewhere. I thought, I mean, no, I, I mean, I sang gospel choir. I, I had, I, I had a feeling that I was, I had good pitch and that like, there was something interesting about my voice, but I know I would have to do a lot of work. But yes, I thought that given a small bandwidth, you know, if I could do a guy in a small bandwidth, I, it would work. And when you're singing with Lady Gaga, do you do it together in a studio where you both? No, we go were singing on on stage. That's we were recording. That's what I'm trying to say. We were recording everything live. So what you're seeing, we're, that's coming out of our mouth and being recorded by Steve Morrow in this and the sound crew uh, on on in camera. That's that's the whole point. So when I you see like my veins or her veins, and you know, the people are really singing. Fucking remarkable. Did you so so when the when the story was that. Um, you, you, I don't know. You went to see Eddie Vedder, right? You were friendly with him. Yes. And you, and, and Eddie sits with you and he kind of thought, I vey, Bradley Cooper's <laughs> coming to me to talk about, you know, being a rock star. And you hung out with him for a couple of days. He was, was so just, generous. Yeah. We, we, we hung out right. for like three days. Yeah. It was awesome. And he took me to a studio and showed me all the stuff. And we had, uh, and this little tiny little specific things about, uh, a beer cap thing to, to put it to protect your belt, your, your, uh, um uh the uh the, the the leash around your guitar yeah it was just it was awesome yeah he gave you details awesome. in other words you yeah, observed little that. details that you would never know yeah you see this is what i could learn from you you know how to hang i don't you could go over someone's house for a full day and hang out with them I'm not giving what names, happens to you? Did you you get anxious I get anxious. I don't think people want to be with me for that but long. That's so nuts, Howard. How many people listen to your show? Literally, what you do for a living is people hanging out with you. That's it's, literally but, but, what but, you do. But when you go to Eddie Vedder's house and you're like, you're at his house, right? And you're yeah. hanging and like you're <clears throat> sleeping there too. Like you're you're staying over for the night. I stayed over. I he, I stayed over in his like he had a little uh, cabin by the water. That's where I stayed. And don't you get that feeling like, well, gee, maybe I'm overstaying my welcome or, or, or it sounds like there's a theme here where that I'm not, <laughs> I'm not no, I, I wish I could do that. I, I like when I went to your I, you house know, to see the movie, I'm yeah. like, oh, this guy must want us out of here already. I mean, you know what I mean? Like we better, we better go to dinner. That's what I mean. I, 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 you have that ability to hang with people and feel that people are enjoying you and you're enjoying them. Like, I know you go over a, a guy's house who I admire. I'm, I'm not giving yeah. a name out. All right. You go there all the time. Yeah. Love him to huh? death. Right. Yeah. And I, I said to my wife, Bradley's at so-and-so's house. And she says to me, what, what, what are they doing? I go, they seem to be sitting around like a garbage pail with a fire because <laughs> they, they FaceTime me. And I said, well, I don't know what they're, but like how much, like after an hour, like Bradley's hanging out there all day. How like how could he? What does he do all? Like what is he doing? They they, they sit and talk all day. Do you sit and talk yeah, all yeah, day to we, these people? Yeah, we do. Yeah, all day Love these people. But yes, yeah. I mean, not all day. I show up around. around like, I don't know. <laughs> one o'clock, and we hang out there till I don't know five six. Really? Yeah. I can't imagine. I know when people come to my house, I'm like I'm like oh after an hour, it's like okay. 
It's I enough. I don't know, man. I feel like when we when I've been to your place, um, we we've hung in the pool and talk. I mean, you're a great talker. I mean, Jesus, we've talked about some really heavy shit over the years for a long time. Yeah, we did have fun. We did. I actually did have fun when you were here. There was uh, we had a good time. That was a good time. Well, anyway, my point about the singing is, yeah, how mind blowing to have a hit movie. I mean, more than a hit movie. And then have these songs become real. I mean, they're everywhere. It would have occurred to me that I'd say at that point, you know, Jared Leto has been trying to do this for years. Johnny Depp's been trying to do it, like to become a legitimate rock star. You actually pulled it off. And I don't care if it's your character or not. You could have gone out and done a full tour. A full fucking tour. With Lady Gaga or not. It's funny, man. We were uh, listening, and I, ne- I haven't listened to it in years. It's so odd you're- that we're talking about this because on the way to the stadium yesterday, uh, I was doing the Spotify in the car, and um, I was re- I'm really proud actually of the soundtrack we've made for Maestro. Like I love it, and right. uh, that came out last week. And uh, listen to it if you can. It's pr- I think it's kind of awesome. Um, and so I was playing that uh, uh, some songs for that for uh, we uh, friends came with us and my daughter, and then uh, and then, then I. Then I- I put on uh, the stars and I put on a couple tracks and, yeah. I was like, and I was listening to it. I was like, stuff's good, man. I was like, yeah, it's good. I was it's like, really it good. Up. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and, and Gaga must have been beside herself because let's face it. She is a musician and she's always looking for her next next hit song. I guarantee you she wasn't expecting that thing to be big. I guarantee it. Right. She didn't know those right. songs would be big <clears throat> hits for her. Yeah. And it's, it's the so timing, crazy. and who knows? Yeah, you know, you never know. But yeah, I'm so grateful for it. What an experience! It brought me back to listening to that those songs. I saw, like it was like a wave of. That's the other thing about what music does: just a wave of memories of like, oh my gosh, I forget. Like, yeah, that was a huge chunk of my life. Yeah, unbelievable. And speaking, so let's get back to the story since I was yeah. never going to tell it, but now that you are here and you bring it okay, up, good, you tell it. Yeah. And by the way, I will tell you this: like I've told two or three people in my life. That you offered me that role in A Star is Born. <laughs> and they look at me like, what the fuck? You didn't do it? I go, no. I think the guy who ended up doing the role was fantastic. Just for, so, so it's clear. That was before, like, you know, the role that was written was written for the person that played it. There was right. no, this, this, was, this was early, early things swimming in my head, uh, you know, when I offered it to you. Well, it's not you like came he to me. got, it's not like it was a totally different role. Yeah. I came to you thinking, well, here you go. You got it. Well, you came to me and you said, Hey, you will play my brother. And I went, Whoa, he must think I'm a lot better looking than they're going to be like, well, what the fuck? What is it? This movie going to be like twins. I'm Danny DeVito and he's Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. I don't know what the hell's going on here. But you said, I'm going to play your older brother or something. Yeah. And I'm going to be like your manager type thing, yes, your agent yes. or manager. Yeah. And I went, no shit. That's kind of intriguing. I said, I'm going to go full on like into it. I'm going to shave my head. I'm going to change my whole look. I was really, you know, toying with the idea. I, we were, you, I, you, you let you. Yeah. You said, give me a couple of weeks. I mean, you it wasn't like you said no right away. There was I feel like there were three weeks of me sort of standing <laughs> by. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you really contemplated this. Yeah, and I would have won him an Oscar, too. I mean, it would have been uh, awesome, me at the Oscars. But, but, winning but my... when we start talking about you shaving your head, that was very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, it would have been amazing. Well, well I was going to shave my head. I was also going to shave my head for Maestro. Yeah, we, maybe we'll do one day. <laughs> you know I think I mean? it's going to happen, man. I think it's going to happen. 
I just got, I have to figure out the right thing to, so that you'll say yes. I don't know. It would have been kind of cool being in A Star is Born, but it was weird. When you told me you were doing A Star is Born, I went, Bradley's out of his mind. They've done this movie twice. In my opinion, I don't see how it's going to work, but you fucking believe. Three man. times. I mean, you, this was the fourth remake. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what was, what was driving you on that? I mean, you just love the movie. I mean, the truth is, Howard, as crazy as that is, the one I just made is definitely like a hundred times more bonkers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, te- I was texting with my friend yesterday. I was like, you know, okay, here's a movie. <laughs> half, half. It's going to be a black and white, shot on black and white film in an aspect, in an old aspect ratio, like the 133, you know, that, you know, some pe- most movies aren't made in now. And it's about, Class, a classical, a, a marriage of all, sort of kind of younger, but then middle aged and older people. And by the way, there's going to be six minutes, six minutes in the movie where we're just going to, you're just going to see a guy conducting for six minutes straight in the middle of the movie. All right. Yeah. That's it, a movie it, I want to see. But that is the highlight of the movie when you're know, conducting just, for but, six but minutes. But it is pretty crazy when you think about it. No, I mean, well, it's like, well, I asked you this right after I saw the movie. I said to you, what is it with these conductors? Um, they look like they're waving their arms up in the air. When I see the old Leonard Bernstein clips and stuff, I see him waving his arms, and I just thought it was like kind of like a performance or a cheerleading thing. I didn't. I, I said to you, "What's he really doing?" And you explained mm-hmm. it to me really well. Explain mm-hmm. to the audience what a conductor is doing when he's up there conducting. I, I mean, I was like you. I mean, but but I didn't find it as like being some sort of sham. I just thought, look at these guys, like somehow channeling the music in a way that that is filling up my body as watching it you know i would get excited like it was like they were transmitting the energy the music to me that's what i felt like growing up watching conductors right um, i think that that's why i i sort of became obsessed with the also just the idea of the power of conducting of just moving your hand and music comes out you know from bugs bunny and tom and jerry like i was just it, it looked like the like you're a wizard really a music wizard. But what are they doing? What are so, they so, actually so, doing? So, yeah. So, so then, so then once I started to dig in, you know, six years ago and actually learn what it is, I mean, it's, it, I, I find it to be just about impossible. Your right hand, you're keeping the tempo of the piece. You also have to know what every single uh, musician is doing so that uh, with the left hand, you're accentu- accentuating moments that you've worked on during rehearsal. Making sure that they're that you they they're bowing in the right way whenever the the tympanus is coming in. Remember, we're swelling here to to build to a crescendo. I mean, all this stuff you have to have it all in your head. Know what every inst- musician's doing and lead them. Almost the, the the thing that I can almost relate it to is like riding a stallion like a horse because it is its own living, breathing organism. So you have to be the leader of it and control it and the captain, but you also have to respect that it is a powerful breathing organism, which is what an orchestra is as it's in front of you so i think it's impossible and i spent six years learning that those six because to me the Mahler second symphony the resurrection which is what we conduct in the movie live at london uh, with the london symphony orchestra in ely cathedral is the is like that's like you know the he- heavier than metallica shit you know what i mean like it's, 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 it's yeah it's big it's huge man yeah and by the way, Metallica is the dopest band ever. I just meant like I remember thinking like this is as heavy as any heavy metal, you know. Like it, it is, it just feel like it's so powerful. That's how I felt watching the movie. I got an yeah, appreciation I mean, just, for this kind of music. I was so imagine Howard like it's, it's like riding a like a, a dragon basically. 
Yeah. So I'm in the, I'm in front of this orchestra conducting this music. I mean, it was fucking crazy, bro. You mean, Bradley, you couldn't have for the movie faked it in the sense that you couldn't yes, have gone up there and just like you, gone like this. Yes. And, you know, yeah, but I guarantee you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but I'm, I guarantee you. You know. Yeah. You know. It's funny. Jerry Lewis did a thing with the overture to Candide. Do you remember that? Yes. And they did a video of, like he's in the desert with it and it was Bernstein's overture to Candide. And if you watch it, you know he's not conducting. After like 5 seconds it's you know that he's right. no, he's no idea what he's doing. In other um, words, it was important to you to be authentic when you worked on this scene in front of a real orchestra. You really wanted to conduct them. No question. And I messed it up the first day, the whole first day I messed it up. I got behind tempo. And it was and 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 it was horrible. And I, it was one of those things, Howard, where you know, I'm sure I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but you're in the middle of an interview and it's just going south, and you're like, oh, the thing that I fear most is actually happening. Yeah, it's happened. And, 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 you and know, there's, and no, like, and there's like, no rescuing it. That, and you and you're like, oh, you know, someone's gonna pat me on the shoulder after go. It's okay, but actually, it's not okay. <laughs> so not when you were a little kid. You were beginning. But just to finish this, so 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 yeah, then, there, do you want me to finish this story or no? Yes, I do. Yeah, so I was messing it up. This is in terms about doing it live. I, if you when you see the movie, it's one shot, and you could see that you could see me and you see the orchestra. So you, could, I, I would argue that if I wasn't conducting them, you wouldn't be able. You would it wouldn't what you felt and what you see wouldn't be. To me, I'm watching one organism. You could see it. You could see right. it happening. Just like when you go to a concert and you see a great conductor conduct an orchestra, it's very clear there is this relationship occurring rhythmically musically um so and, and the whole movie every but the whole movie is about what it's like to be around this guy who can stand in the center of the sun and not die not only not die but um, redirect all the light that comes at it to us i mean and that's the whole point so this 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 scene in the movie if i messed it up and if i'm watching the movie, i'm going well what, what the heck is the wife talking about the guy's not so great you know, now it I had understand. to be real. It had to be. You had to go like, oh, my gosh, this guy is a unicorn. Now I understand. If I was watching a movie, the life story of Eddie Van Halen, and somehow you looked like you were not really playing those notes, I would say I would call bullshit on it. It's right. got to it's got to feel real. Now, you said in some interview that and also deep down, I wanted to experience that, too. Like, I, even as the character, like I, if I if I didn't believe I was doing it, that's why I, that's why I came back and did it one more time. And that last time we did it, I was actually doing it. Um, I, I don't I wouldn't have been able to believe I was Lenny, quite honestly. Yeah, no, you were you were fully committed. The woman, the woman who plays your wife, Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, unbelievable. Now, now she's—they're saying she's going to get an Academy Award. The the movie itself—they're saying you'll get one. You'll get a, an Academy Award. You're the front runner for best director, best actor, and she's the front runner by far for best actress. Now, I mean, I don't know where you're at with these awards. Would that turn you on if that happened? That's an interesting question because I have such a, a sort of. Yeah, I mean, it would be fucking crazy, bro. Of course. <laughs> it would be insane, dude. It would be crazy. That, that would be nuts. Because that would you be were... Absolutely. You, you, but you know what be the craziest thing about it is because this movie I had was the first time I've ever done something absolutely fearlessly. Like, I really grew up on this movie. I really... I, I believe I became a man after this film in, in many ways. And so if that were to happen, first of all, the fact that even it's being well received is so feels so wonderful and calming. Um, 
So if that were to happen, that'd be, it'd be nuts. It'd be nuts. But that said, there's so many, you know, awards, awards, you know, awards. I don't know, you know, but, but that would be, but yeah, you, that would be insane. That would you be insane. were insulted that they didn't offer you a nomination for best director <laughs> on A Star is Born. You were. What are you talking about? What are you? You talking? can admit it right now. Admit it to my audience that you're anyway. a little upset that you weren't recognized. The movie was that well directed. N- no, no, qu- not, a, not at all. What are you, what are you basing that on? I'm, no, I'm basing you know what it on... I, Howard, you know what I felt, actually? I remember. I actually felt, because I remember I was, uh, when they announced it in the morning, I wasn't, I was doing something, and I was in a coffee shop, and uh, Nicole, who's my dear friend and publicist, called, and she's like, you know, telling the nominations and that directing didn't happen. And my first thing, and this is just about my own work as a human, was I let everybody down. That's what I thought. Mm. But that's my own work, you know what I mean? Is that that's, yeah. that's the, so that's where my head goes. So it's the quite the opposite of what what you're inferring. So getting back to this woman who plays your wife. First of all, to me, the movie. The re, I didn't get into this with you when I saw the movie because I didn't I didn't want to blow my load because I knew you were coming on. And to me, what's great about the movie is that it's really not primarily about Leonard Bernstein. It's a bigger story about men who have to live closeted lives. There is a huge theme here. Here's a guy, he's on top of the world professionally, and he's got this dark life where he's married to a woman, but he's a homosexual, and sadly, he's. this is what society does to people. It It wrecks them, you know? And to me, that's why I love the movie. It wasn't a straight-up biopic where I'm sitting in, you know. Yeah, you could have started out with Lenny as a little kid, and he's playing music as a little kid, and he's a prodigy, and we see him come to be this great, you know, dynamic star. That could have been the movie. But why the movie is receiving all these accolades is because it's really about life in America in that period of time where a guy couldn't be himself. You agree or disagree? Well, I agree that that um, there was no the only thing I wanted to do was explore um, uh, their relationship, which I found so fascinating when I was doing the research. And that's what I wanted to write the movie about, along with Josh Singer. And and that's what interests me, the idea of doing a, bi- a straight up biopic. But I would argue because, you know, when you do like Q&A's and stuff, everybody talks about a biopic. I, I think this is the most of a biopic I could possibly make because I feel like at the end of the movie, you actually see real Lenny directing and I, uh, conducting. And I feel like you know who he is, the person. Right. So I feel like to me that that's what I wanted to try to to take a, again, like you and like this mythological figure and then like, oh, no, humanize him. So, yeah. and that's what was interesting. That's what I thought was cinematic. I always want to make something that the audience can relate to. The thing they go into it looking at these sort of uh, archetypal mythological figures and then they relate to it. And that's, that's to me when I was younger, the fact that I could relate to Willard, you right. know, from Apocalypse Now as he's right. going up the Golong River. He's like, Saigon. And I'm like, how am I relating to this guy? This is crazy. And that's the beauty yeah. of cinema. So that's what I always try to do. Uh, in terms of, the darkness of his private life, the thing that for me that I was so fascinated with, with, this was not a movie about a guy with a, with a closeted in quotes life. In fact, he was very open about everything within his circle. When she, you know, in the middle of the movie, uh, his wife walks out, they're in a party and he's in the corner of a hallway 
and kissing a guy and inst- so that scene normally would be like oh honey uh, uh no we were just talking about and he's instead he's such a gangster he <laughs> yeah. just goes it's darling this is tommy and he's like no come on grabs his hand puts him back in he's like no it's fine and you're just like oh oh you know this is a totally unique unabashed character so that's what i found so um interesting and unique about the story and she goes into this marriage completely no no idea no no sense of being uh, a, a bit having the wool pull you know the something pulled over her eyes it's all everybody's very aware of the situation so and the voice but yes the vo- but bradley the voice you put on for leonard bernstein yeah, you're doing Lenny's voice, right? Did you watch endless tape of this guy oh my. talking? I mean, I started. I started before Starsborn came out. I mean, this incredible dialect coach uh, who I started to work with when I when I played Chris Kyle for American Sniper. When I realized, like, oh, I gotta, this can't be just like me because I'm pretty good with voices, you know. But I thought, no, no, I gotta like this is that takes a lot of work. So ever since then, that's that's the key to every character. And so I knew with Lenny because he sounds so unique and he is so melodic and his voice changed over the course of his life that I knew I need. So I started working with Tim in 2017, dude. In, in, wow. You know, in a, yeah. At five days a week, uh, eight hours a day. I'm not kidding. Like even even, do, you know, we took a break when I did Nightmare Alley because we worked on that character's voice. But I, then I just went go right back to it. And uh yeah, I mean, it, that's everything. The voice is everything, you know, especially in this movie, because. Again, like 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 you, I love music so much, and so much of their conversation is melodic, and that we wrote for it to be musical. And the whole movie—it's like, it's like the one of those why old I love movies. The movie so much is the whole the whole movie is kind of supposed to be the way he made music. That was my attempt. Can I make a movie that is symphonic in the way that Lenny made music? And so part of that is it's to his music for the most part, and it's structured in a way. Uh, that it feels symphonic and musical and there's pauses. There would be musical be pauses. I mean, it was a crazy thing I tried to do, but, um, I thought that was the only way to tell this story. And I was so happy with how it turned out. I mean, you know, you, you know, I've been through a lot with this movie the last six years and, you know, finally my shoulders relaxed on July 5th when we did, when we delivered the printmaster and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know. Yeah, I didn't I get you. you. I was like, I thought you were going a little nuts because. Like for six years, I've been hearing how you want to be Leonard Bernstein and you're doing all these tests and you're, you know, yeah, crazy. You, 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 yeah. And I said, well, what the fuck has taken this guy so long? But I should know better because it took me four years to make my movie. It took right. forever to write a script and all that kind of stuff. It's right. kind of, it's your whole life is tied up with it, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Does it frustrate you from an economic standpoint that the movie business has changed? In other words, hell, I mean, um, it's, it's scary. It's scary. It is exactly right. Sc- oh yeah, especially for <clears throat> yes, yeah. It's scary, and I'm in. Is it scary sp- because you put six hours, Bradley? In I mean, six years six- into this thing, and then and then like the payoff isn't you know financially huge. You're doing it as an no. act of love. That's and right. It, it, you know, in the old days though, you might have made a fortune off this movie. That's right. Yeah, when there were theaters. It, it, it depends. Look, I'm beyond lucky. Right. Beyond right. Uh, in, in, in a great situation. Um, that said, uh, I've never really done anything for money. Right. And and I've always bet on myself. Um, you know, the biggest paycheck I, I've ever gotten was Hangover 3. That was, you know, that was 10 years ago or eight years ago. I've always sort of bet on myself. Like for a sniper and a star is born and uh, I would not take money up front, but say, let me be a part of uh, the investment. And if it does well, that right. model's gone. I made a movie for a streaming service. 
you know right. so so um that, but is that to- defeating is that defeating no it's not Bradley? because uh, because no, no, it's just like the, it's the evolution of it. I just have to. So what do I do? You know, my mom and I, we put ourselves on tape for another T-Mobile commercial for the Super right. Bowl. I'm not kidding. We did it two weeks ago did in you? my living room. <laughs> did you do the same thing again where you, uh, you and your mom are doing like the outtakes and she can't get it together? We were, <laughs> we were trying I love to that. do, no, this is us, our pitch for what, you know, we were trying to do what we think could be the next commercial. I, I'm not joking. Like we sent in a tape as an audition for to see if we can get it like i I'm really not, like, that yeah yeah brian klugman my best buddy since i was 10 years old he's like i was like bro we got to do another commercial <laughs> and he's like <laughs> well he's like we, why don't i come and we'll put it on tape and then and then i'll present it to, you know to the whoever you know the people over there that he presented to so we came over and we did it yeah and it was a mess wow. but uh but my mom is like gold my mother is like comedic gold so she's so, so hopefully funny. We'll get it. Yeah. But but yeah, I thought it was great. But but uh, but so, what yeah, you so saying things like here, that. So things. Yeah, yeah. So so I have to find other means of, you know, going and uh, giving a speech somewhere or just, you know, trying to find a way to keep everything uh, afloat. Because, yes, well, it, it is. If you did no. shit for money. Yeah. You would probably say to yourself, hey, let me find a, an equalizer or a franchise where I'm, you know, a, a, a guy who gets, you know, like, like a Liam Neeson kind of role or a Denzel Washington kind of role. Cause those movies make a ton of fucking money. The Matrix, uh, not the Matrix, or uh, John, the John Wick, Wick uh, John yeah. Wick film, you know, yeah. those films make so much money. You could, you could basically do that. You probably could do it in your sleep and I mean, make a shitload is, of money. But, but again, like I would rather, I mean, I can only speak to my own experience. I finally found something I absolutely love to do, which is write and direct movies. Like, I love it. And that takes like six years, five, four, four to six years. I, I don't know how to do it faster. But the thing that matters most to me is time, is like the use of time. You know, I'll be 50 in a year. Uh, my buddy makes fun of me. He's like, dude, you're not even 49 yet. I don't know. I'm the kind of guy that I'm like, I'm on 50. You're like, no, you're not, bro. You're 48. You're going to be, you're going to be 49. It's like, I'm like, I want to, it's like, I know the end's coming. So I just want to say it's now. Do you, do you, do you have so that funny. personality? Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who does that. He's always making himself older than he is. And I'm like, dude, are you in a rush? You know, what are you doing? I realize I told, I've been saying I'm 50 for like two years. <laughs> you just round up. I keep going backwards. I'm trying to go, uh, you know, I mean, it's I think really I want to just So that when 50 does hit me, I'm like, yeah, no, I've been prepared for this. Are you really um, feeling this sense of time? I mean, I'm feeling it now. I mean, I'm, oh, no, I'm no way question. older than you. And also have, being a parent. And uh, n- as much as I love what I do, I mean, I being a dad is the greatest thing in the world. So Wait, I'm going to say something here, and I'm not yeah. kissing your ass. You might be okay. like the greatest dad ever. I've seen you with your daughter. I mean, uh, you're really fucking hands on. I mean, like, like I've never seen a single dad be that hands on with a kid. And this kid, how many languages does your daughter speak? Now that's because of her mother. Yeah. She speaks to, she speaks fluent Russian. It's incredible. Unbelievable. By yeah. the way, and she, <laughs> did I tell you this? No. She was drawing, we went to dinner and she was drawing at the table. She was drawing pictures and Beth goes, Oh, that's so lovely. And, uh, she goes, that's a lovely little dog you drew. And she goes, no, that's Howard. <laughs> <laughs> It was a picture of a dog. Uh, it was me. Anyway, my point is, my point is, you really, you, you put a lot of energy into those kids. Most guys with a career like yours, they don't have time for kids. You know what I mean? They just don't. I think the fact, because I had Leah when, uh, we had Leah when I was older, 
Uh, I don't know. I was ready for it. I just love it. I love it so much. Yeah. So oh, I would never, I, I would never even shoot something that's not in New York, quite honestly. I don't think I would. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't want, you know, even today, you know, the only reason we're doing this in my house is because I wanted to drop her off at school and I, you know, I couldn't drop her off at school and come into the studio. So you guys were kind enough to be able to come here to my house. So if I want to hire you as a director, I got to have a project in, um, in New York. I mean, we shot, we shot Maestro predominantly in New York. In fact, I boarded it in a way that, um, when her, she graduated from kindergarten and I was, uh, I, and we were shooting right like down the street. So I was actually young Lenny and I showed up to graduation <laughs> as young Lenny, which was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> yeah. What did you, what, what did you do with your voice? Did you, uh, do you put something on your voice or, uh, cause no, it doesn't, no, nothing. You know, it's funny. Somebody asked that. They asked that about Rocket Raccoon too. I took major offense to that. It's like, no, that's you that's, know what. No, they're, they're... Uh, uh, then I got to tell you something. When I watch Rocket Raccoon, I am a hundred percent convinced that they deepen your voice somehow. Wow. Let because... me tell you how it's gonna be. Every time. That's it, isn't that it? Y yeah, I don't know, but I I, I don't <laughs> yeah, hear you. you. What's no? What's weird is. <laughs> I, yeah, you don't do him very well. No, I'm saying <laughs> every time I watch Rocket Raccoon, I'm like, I can't wrap my head around the fact that that's you. Yeah, no, we. I mean, unless unless they're lying to me, they've not uh, augmented it at all. And I even I, so many people had asked me that that I actually when we were doing the Last Guardians, I, I'm pretty sure I asked them. I said, "You guys don't do anything to the voice, right?" Wow. And they said no. But I guess that's a question for James Gunn. But I, I don't. I mean, it's. No, they don't do anything to it. No. That the only thing that we did do, the only thing, we, he's awesome. The only yeah. thing we did do for this last one is I tried, I wanted to be the voice for every age. And we like, I went back. I'm such a maniac. I went back and back. And I was like, James, let me just do it again. I would like, I did it from my home on my phone. And, and, uh, cause I just didn't want anybody else's voice to be Rocket. I just thought it was like a purity thing. But in the end, there was a, a child that they had to play. Cause in the last guardians, yeah, you don't do baby. baby rocket. Yeah. You don't do baby <laughs> yeah, rocket. I do yeah. rocket right until, and then his brother did three lines of rocket. And then I come in right, right. He's still an adolescent, but, um, yeah, I tried. I tried as hard as I could. How much prep? But no, do I don't think put, they lower it. Yeah. How much prep, Brett? Because you're such a maniac with like doing everything authentically. How much prep time do you do? With doing the voice of Rock Raccoon, do you go and live with raccoons for a few days? Yeah, I, I, I basically, uh, no. <laughs> oh, <right>. No, nothing. <laughs> like nothing, an Eddie Vedder situation, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. no, but what do you do? do we, I mean, what is the prep time? No, they, no, no they, prep. No, no prep. I just go in there and um, start. Really? Yeah. They de they describe the scene to you? You've read the script? Oh, no, I've, re I've read the script. I go in there. The first time we do it, we do it over the course of like a year. Um, the first time we, you know, we learned it's been a 10 year, I think it's been a decade long process from the first to this. And by the end, James Gunn and I realized the best thing is we do it like a play instead of watching anything. He, he reads all the other characters and I play Rocket and that's how we do it the first round and it's really wonderful and then and then 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 as the, then after that all gets laid in then we just you just keep honing it or working on other things or improvising um it's very it's a it's fun to improvise off of characters who've already said something that they can't change wow. <laughs> so the rocket can really have a field day uh, you like doing it kind of fun oh i loved it i loved rocket i have absolute and and this last one i don't know if you saw it but I did. I actually cried like crazy watching it. And when we did it, there's a scene where, um, she, um, he loses his friend and, and so talking about my dad, 
I was talking about this the other day. The sound that Rocket makes, the only thing that I could even relate it to is the sound I remember hearing my own voice when my dad passed away. You know, that you hear like there's something that you hear it. And I remember when we did it in the sound stage, I think everybody was sort of like there was some deep truth to the sound that came out of my mouth. And I think that's part of why that's a you know, I don't know that that really that moment in that movie is kind of like, holy shit, because there's something really real. In in, in other words, a a sound came out of you when your father died. Yes. That was something you didn't recognize. Yeah, Yeah. that I did not recognize. That's right. You know, I had a similar experience. My mother once fell in my house and a sound came out of me and, and a real emotion. That was fucking mind blowing. Like I, I was like, "Whoa, where that?" And I was almost embarrassed because I did it in front of my yeah. wife and my kids. And I was like, "Oh, geez, what the hell was that?" Yeah, I feel ashamed of it in some weird yeah, way. That's but, how I felt when we did it on the soundstage. Like I felt like I, I felt very naked after I did that. When you do that on a soundstage, do you does it ever go through your mind like, "Oh fuck, maybe I shouldn't do this because I'll look like a fool." Like, or you yeah. gotta just eliminate. You gotta, no, you gotta but just. That's uh, all those things come into play. Yeah. And you just Even... sort of breathe through it. But, and, and at the same time, you're also happy that something really real just came out. Also. Right. So it's a sort of, and by the way, that's how I felt on Maestro every day playing Lenny. I mean, and directing the movie as him in that voice. I mean, that, I talk about feeling vulnerable and like an, like a fool. That was like, that was the biggest blessing. I think there's no way I could have made the movie you saw if I didn't force myself into that position we're talking about the entire shooting day every day. Go back to making the movie. Now, I always, I see Spielberg's name up there and uh, Scorsese. Those are, those are some heavy dudes if you're going to yeah. be in, in business with some guys. I don't understand what happened there. You... They, Spielberg knew the project was around for a long time, and uh, Scorsese was going to do a project around Leonard Bernstein, and then right. he, I think, he handed it off to Steven Spielberg, who was going to do a project around the idea of Leonard Bernstein. And, but I became involved when uh, the word was that he was looking for an actor. My agent at the time, Dave Bulliari, who's now my manager, who's been on the show, by the way, I think he came with me like the second time. Yeah. I think for Hangover 2, he came on here. And, um, he, uh, uh, he called Christy McCosco, the Stevens producing partner, and said, you know, Bradley loves conducting. Is there any way that would you ever consider him for Bernstein? And that's how it started. Steven sent me a, a script and I read it and I was just finishing a Stars Born and I wrote him back right away. I don't think, I didn't, I don't think he expected me to write him back like in an hour with like tons of ideas. I kept texting him. Talk about not reading the room. And I think I, <laughs> Yeah. Sort of like this Eddie Vedder stay. I'm going to have to rethink all this, by the way. Thank right, you. of course. Talk to me. You'll never go anywhere again. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never leave yeah. my house. You won't leave your house. This interview's wait. Should we stop the interview? Um, yeah. so then, then, uh, I, so, so he, uh, he didn't direct the, he said he's not going to direct the movie, Steven. And I said, can I, uh, all I want to do is write and direct movies. I love conducting so much. Fake conducting. I didn't know at the time, but I love the idea of it. I've always felt like I could play a conductor. Can I take now, this when project you say, over? When, when you say you always felt like you could play a conductor, you're talking about since you were a little kid. This was yes, a since I was like six. Yes, and like in grad in grad school, we had to write write a monologue for a character. I wrote it about a conductor. You know, I was always I was obsessed with that movie with Dabney Coleman and um, Armand Desante when they're conducting. Do you remember that movie back in like the no, 80s? which one? Yeah, I, no. I, I can't remember, but uh, yeah. And uh, so so yeah, I was always obsessed with conduct and spent so, hundreds of hours conducting in my room to like music that was playing around the house. So 
um, I knew that I was like, wow, there's something very, very, very deep from a long time ago that I, I could use to play a character. Same thing with Jackson Maine. It's like, how many hours did I air guitar in my room growing up? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I love that clip of you on Fallon Show when you're doing air guitar. Yeah. Of Neil and by Young the way, I did that to see if it would look real. That's the whole reason I did it. I was like, let it me do real. air guitar on Fallon <laughs> and let me see if like I believe it. But don't you think it's weird that you never studied music? Like you didn't, you don't know how to play guitar. I mean, now you do, no. but, but no, but, but no, but I really don't. Yeah. You're right. Um, it, it's it, weird. It is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it is weird. Yeah. And Although I'm, I, and I'm I, the same I, way. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I love musicians. I love music. And yet pick up a fucking guitar for Christ's sakes. Why? Yeah. You know, I did, but I mean, I didn't really pour yeah. my heart into it. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I learned and, all those things for the movie. Like, I learned those piano things for the movie, the specific things. And then, quite honestly, the minute it ends, it goes right out of my brain. Really? That I don't understand. But get back to Spielberg. Yeah. I would think when this guy, Spielberg or Scorsese, and you're going and you're you're pitching these guys, I think it's somewhat intimidating when you're talking about two of the best directors that ever lived, right? At that point, Scorsese uh, was not really a part of pitching anything to Um and, um, and, and, and I had a stars born as the pitching material because I didn't know what the movie was going to be, Maestro. I had to do research. Right. You know, I didn't know what I was going to write, but I had this movie that I was just finishing. So I showed that to Steven and then he was like, wow, I like this movie. And, you know, why don't you take a shot at it? And that's how, that's how it started. Oh, so Steven respected a star is born and he that's said, right. okay, yeah, I want to be in yes. business with you. He said, if you can get the rights to the music from the kids, then, you know, explore this and, and, you know, and write a script. And then, you know, as it, as, as you know, is the, 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 what happens is, you know, you write a script and then people get notes or they agree with it and then they green light that script and then you make the movie. You know, there's a process that has to start happening. So that, you know, that's what, that's what happened. And I knew early on I was going to make a movie about the two, not Lenny, but Lenny and his wife, Felicia, which the children, I think, were very, um, stunned by. Like the, right. and maybe even not 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 believing it, like oh he's really gonna. But but I, but then as they started to read scenes that we were writing and drafts, they were like, oh my gosh, this really is going to be a movie about our parents and and our mother. How do you choose a leading lady? Carrie Mulligan killed it. I mean, I, th I thought she was terrific as your wife. But what? I mean, you could get any actress you want for that role. How do you come up with her? And I mean, she killed it. it but it's, you know, it's sort of like, this is sort of a cheesy thing to say, but like the movie kind of, if you just get out of the way, if I've, if I've learned anything like from this movie, it's like stay calm and open and don't try to muscle your way through everything. And if you do, things will come to you and then you'll know how to, where to put your energy. And I was, you know, in researching these characters, every time I saw a picture of Felicia, I just kept thinking Carrie Mulligan just kept popping in my head. And I knew Carrie Mulligan not well, but I've known her for many years. And then she happened to be doing a play, a one woman show in the West Village. I live in New York, uh, right at the time as I started to do research. So I went to see it. I, I went to the first preview and she, there was a key light. She comes out on stage. She happened to have had her hair dyed blonde at that time. And Felicia, for most of her adult life, had blonde hair and it really looked like Felicia. And it was a moment of like divine intervention where I, I, it was like the movie telling me this is Felicia. So it, it, that was that was it. And I went to see her and, you know, and she she signed on four years before I even had a script or anything, just an idea. She was willing to go on this journey and put in the work. She put a tremendous amount of work in, as everybody did in this movie. Um, so I was just lucky I was open enough to listen to what the you know, what what I think this project was telling me to do, which, by the way, happened a lot in this movie, Howard. 
I don't know how you feel about that. But as I get older, the more I realize, like, I don't know, man, like, is there something at play here that's greater than what I'm even aware of? I, I, I know that sounds nuts, but I sort of feel that way more and more. You mean the sense that um, the universe takes care of things? Uh, you're getting supportive nature if you're really in a good groove, like the right things will happen? Or things will happen that are out of your control that sort of, if you're listening, point you in the direction that you want to go. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think if you're, I think if you work in a, I don't know. I, yeah, it does. I don't know how to explain it I don't know. I know it's a, Sometimes I, things I'll give you an example. You know like what? Here's, here, wait, wait, here, but here's my thought on that. Yeah, yeah. I think you've put in so many thousands of hours. I mean, you've been doing this since you're like a kid and you're, all you're focused on is acting, acting, and then directing. That's why it's falling together. You've done all the homework. Right. You know, that's I don't know that it's the universe helping. I think it's but, your... you know, for example, I was uh, in researching, you know, the, he's a complicated guy, Leonard Bernstein, you know, right. and um, there were moments uh, when I was researching and writing the movie where I just felt like exhausted by the workload. Right. Because I knew just what it would take to pull this off. And and I think I I would I would um, angle that that frustration into him. <laughs> and I would say to myself, like, well, why am I making this movie about this narcissist? Like, what's the point? He doesn't even, like, all this work, It's forget it. But really, it was just yeah. my fear that, like, I'm never going to get the voice. I'm never going to learn how to conduct that piece of music. Kazu and I aren't going to get, the, you know, stuff right. And I was on a plane. I started, It was like it was, many things like this happened, but this was a big one. And I went to the bathroom, you know, and I'm sitting in the bathroom of the airplane. And I'm like, and I, in, the, in the bathroom, I say, that's it. I'm, when we land, I'm going to call Netflix and call Scott Stewart. I say, I just, you know what, I, this, I'm, I, I can't do it. I get out of the, the bathroom. I could go and sit back down and I was on the, on the seat. There was a book of, uh, Bernstein letters and there's a photo of him, uh, on the cover. A woman who was sitting like three seats of, in front of me gets up and starts walking over to me and she says, are you making a movie about Leonard Bernstein? And I was like, I, <laughs> I was about to like, actually I was until I went to the bathroom. And then she said, because, um, uh, you know, he was my godfather. I'm Mike Nichols daughter. Wow. And, and it was like, it, to me, the minute that happened, I was like, to me, Lenny saying like, no, motherfucker, you're doing this movie. You know, it was, it was one of those moments where like, of course I'm going to make this movie. So that felt like very much like there was somebody, uh, you know, sort of, and I felt like that a lot on this movie. I did feel like he was guiding me. I, I have to say, no question. Now, whether that's something I manifest, manifest in my brain, whatever it is, but it definitely gave me the courage on many occasions, Howard, to make um, the risky choice uh, while making this movie. And I, yeah, you, I, I and it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't if it wasn't for him. Yeah, well, you feel connected to the dude. You start playing his life. You're conducting the way he conducts. I, you know, I just had uh, Sammy Hagar on, and he's got Joe Satriani in his band, who's going to be doing all the Eddie Van Halen stuff. They're going out on tour. He's got to feel so close to Eddie playing the notes that eddie wrote oh yeah you know what i mean yeah. it's oh, the my same gosh, kind yeah. of vibe it is yeah were you it, freaking it's... were you freaking out when they started the whole controversy with the uh, jew nose you know because you made your nose bigger to look like leonard bernstein and i thought how fucking ridiculous that's absurd but that could have derailed the whole project if that kind of shit starts going down right you must have yeah. been beside yourself right I don't know why I wasn't, because if you tell me that even you saying it right now, my stomach starts to turn, right? Yeah. Literally yeah. just hearing you say it. 
But for whatever reason, maybe it was because the movie hadn't come out yet. No one had seen the movie. So I thought, wait a second, what's even happening right now? Um, And also, it was so clear to me. The thing that was like clear is no matter what, I, I... what no one could take away is the amount of love that I put into this film and everybody has. I mean, this movie was made with like 100% pure love and joy. And it, to me, the movie drips with it. And so I'm offended by everything. I wasn't offended by that at all. At and all. So, so, so I think that something about that was, um, maybe a guiding sort of, uh, force for me of knowing like the origin of what and everything that, 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 that we all worked on. And then, but then uh, the other thing is like, um, it, we didn't put a nose on, you know, like right. it wasn't like I put a nose on. I mean, that's right. Kind of, let me get a crazy. <laughs> it was put a clown was, nose it, on. It was, yeah. it was, it was, that's not how, how it works. And I understand that no one, how would you know unless it was explained? But I was always going to age in this movie because to tell the story of these two people, we had to tell it over the period of their relationship. So I was always going to have to put prosthetic for me to get older. So early on, I thought, why not put the time in? Because he's so beautiful, Lenny, and so iconic. And it would serve me really in the movie because I'm going to do the voice anyway. Let's find a hybrid uh, right. of, 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 and I look so much like him when we were younger and, and, Ironically, one of the things when I was working with Kazu Hiro, the incredible makeup artist, I said, well, we're, we're, we have such a leg up because our faces are the same shape. Our noses are very similar. That, that Those were the conversations. Um, yeah. But the difference is our lips were completely different and our chin. So young Lenny, when it all starts, there's three pieces, the, the top lip, lower lip, chin. And we even tried it to save time in the room. Well, maybe I don't need to do the nose, but it just didn't look like a human being. The balance was off. It's all about balance. So right. that's that's how, you know, and then it just, as he gets older, the prosthetic actually gets wider and wider till old Lenny. It's a full, you know, full head, the whole thing, arms, hands. I was um, surprised. That, that was that was sort of um, you know that that was the nature of how that was explored, and I never saw it when we were doing it. Is it's just the face? It's just um, yeah. No, you, you look like Leonard Bernstein. You sound like Leonard Bernstein, and it was convincing. And uh, I think you will get best actor. I think you will get best director, and I think Carrie Mulligan will get best actress. Uh, that's what I think. That's my prediction. I don't know. I mean, wow. call me How crazy. I think it'll happen. Howard? How many times have you been right? <laughs> I've never been wrong since 1959. I've predicted every winner. Uh, I'm telling you, oh, I'm, I'm phenomenal okay. at this. What is your fascination with comedians? In The Star is Born, you got Dice, you had Chappelle, and then I was surprised right off the bat in um, in Maestro, there's Cyrus Silverman. Yeah. Now, what's going on there? Um, there's a lot of stand-up comics in... Um, and uh, stars more besides them. Even there's, uh, you know, Eddie and uh, um, Lionel, and uh, there's a lot of. St- yeah, I'm obsessed with stand. I guess I watch all the specials. Um, I used to go to uh, to Largo and the comedy store when I was young. Uh, I, I don't know. I love stand up comedy. I love the art form, and um, I always feel like um, there's a comfort level that people who are stand up comedians have in front of the camera of just being themselves and breathing, and that's all you kind of want to get is people to not act. So that they could just be open and you can guide them, hopefully, um, and be surprised by them. So it really is just like an easier route to getting to the truth, I find. Uh, I find that stand-up comedians are great, great, are very, are not, so, not so much great actors as much as very able to breathe and allow their soul to come out on camera. I would never think 
to put these people into movies because I want to bet on a sure thing. An actor I know can take on a part, nail the lines, and get it done. That's what I'm always shocked by that you do that. Like, and Chappelle did a great job. Dice oh, did a great well, Dice, was, I knew I mean, Dice, Yeah, and Chappelle's yeah. incredible. And, I mean, there was no... Yeah. I, I was really screwed if he wasn't going to do it because I was like, he. it had to be him. It had to have his weight, our our relationship. It all had to be there, you know. And Dice is a great actor. Uh, and Sarah's a great actor. I mean, she really channeled her... Um, I think it was her aunt. I might have messed up. Maybe it wasn't her aunt. But she was. She really was tapped into something early on. And... and um, yeah, and I love Sarah. I've been, I've known Sarah, gosh, for so long. So to be able to do that was also very surreal, Howard. I was sort of like, you know, looked up to Sarah Silverman, you know, kind of like, yeah. you know. But what would you, you have know, done if she was shitty in it? Like, in other words, like, like you, you know. Well, that's my job as a filmmaker is, uh, and the thing I ask of all the actors that sign on is like, one thing I can guarantee you is uh, you're never going to see yourself acting in the movie. And, and that's just, so just trust me. I'm, we're we're wow. not going to be acting and 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 you know and sometimes it takes longer than other times uh but that depends on maybe i wrote it uh, in a way that was more difficult or there's something that i hadn't gotten right it's not really always the actor at all it's actually maybe the circumstance isn't right and the movie wants something else here but as long as they're nimble and dexterous and open there is no wrong there is no fucking it up that's the truth once you cast the person you know what it is their soul is connected to what you want. Then, then it's just about exploring it in the right way. But there is really? no messing up. Yeah, and I'm I think uh, my hope is that's why actors feel so safe and free when they come onto the set. Because, I mean, first of all, they come onto the set, Howard, and I'm I'm already like in all this makeup and plastics, you know, with the cigar going. So we're gonna, you know, what I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, that's the uh, guy directing them, dude. That's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what's crazy to me too is that's what scared me about being in A Star Is Born. I was like, right, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know Bradley as a director. It was the first time you were directing. I was like, what if I make a fool out of myself? I don't want to disappoint this guy. Right. I don't want Bradley to have to turn to me and say, hey, Howard, this isn't working. I didn't want to. Or maybe you was... thought that I didn't know what the heck I was doing, too. Well, yeah. Well, what did I sense. know? I don't know if yeah. you know what the fuck you're doing. I mean, I yeah. knew you were a good actor. I didn't know if you were a good director. I really was nervous to put myself in somebody's hands. I was, I was, I was flattered that you even gave it the, uh, that the amount of uh, thought that you did. You know, I really, that, I remember that meant a lot to me. I was like, wow. So, you know, they, it wasn't just an well, offhand no. I thought it would have been because I think you saw in my face. I think you saw that I did see it. You know, there was a version. You know, I did yeah. see it, and even talking about it now, like there is a, it's a totally different version. But like, I there, wonder what it would have been. We should go shoot it. I, I wonder, like the like the alternative. You know what I mean? You, me, and you, and a star is born. It would have been good. I, I, you know, I really did believe it would be good, but I really, I just was nervous about maybe making a fool out of myself. But I've always wanted but to that's do another yeah, movie. and that's beautiful. I know you were gonna. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna write something for you. And I still think we should it. do uh, Elephant Man, except you play the lead Elephant Man, and I'll I'll be like his younger brother, Elephant Man the second. You know what I mean? I, I he's, we he's both right do there. it so well. You can't see <laughs> who's it, there. Right there, Joseph Who, Elephant Man. I got a picture of him right here. Yeah. By man. the way, Cyrus Silverman gets the best line in Maestro. She says, "There's a price to be paid for being in my brother's orbit." Brother's orbit. The, yeah, yes, that was good. Yeah, that's real a good. good. One. Yeah, he that wouldn't. Got he me. wouldn't like to think that's the truth, but that is. That's yeah. That's what she's saying to him. Yeah, to yeah. her. She's saying that to Felicia. Yeah, there's a price. So what's the thing in my brother's orbit? Yeah. When are the Oscars? When are the Academy Awards? Let's get down to the pushing you for. Uh, I actually do know when they are. I think they are March 10th or 12th. 
You got a uh, plan? I mean, you're supposed to have the movie studio, and I guess the movie studio is Netflix. They got to, um, we got to start coming up with a plan to get you the academy. Like, you just can't get Do it. Do they you know to, how to camp- put on a campaign? Are you Yeah, yeah. Sure? you need a campaign. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do to campaign for this thing? Who's asked? I mean, me you got to kiss paper. somebody's on, ass. Let me write some shit down. Yeah, write some shit down. I'm going to tell you what to do. Yeah, hey, you know what I was... Hey, by the way, what award were you giving out to Brad Pitt when he turned around and said, Hey, I want to thank this man, oh, yeah. Bradley Cooper. Yeah. You got Brad Pitt sober. That might be the that coolest award, fucking thing was, you ever did. That was... Uh... <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's looked upon that's, that's how i look at it i was like god that shit's cool like, I'm, I'm picturing Super. i'm picturing the two of you like somewhere like in, in, and brad pitt calls you and goes hey bradley i'm really fucking up man what do i do you know like like like, like that's so awesome nobody calls me to get sober by the way that's what i like about going to dinner with you you don't drink and i don't drink i love that yeah I fucking hate being around people who drink. I fucking mm. hate it. I yeah. can't stand it. You fucking hate everything about being around people. <laughs> I do. But he, Bradley's good, good because we're both not drinking and it's nice. Yeah. Right? We both have Perrier or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, Bradley has a Shirley Temple and I have Perrier. <laughs> but, uh, that's my daughter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Extra good. No, but, no, but, but, but Bradley. Yeah. What the? Were you like really psyched when Brad Pitt turned to you? At the, what award was that? Um, that was the National Board of, of Review. I remember, and he, I think it was for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it was for Best Supporting Actor. I think that's what it was that I gave him that award. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Were you shocked when he turned around and said, "I want to thank that guy for getting me." You know sober? what's so funny, bro? You know what's so crazy? On those shows, especially that one. It's I remember it was at Cipriani. When you stand behind them and they're talking, you can't hear what they're saying. You know, because the, 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 and so, and, and it's always weird and you, you, you know, I, and then they turn around and I, I didn't, I didn't really hear what he was saying. Uh, it wasn't until after, I think. But yeah, you can't hear what the person's saying and you're trying to pretend that you hear their speech, but you can't because all the sounds going out. It's actually, it's like, it's always a funny thing. You know, you give an award and you stand on the side and you're like, I, I have no idea what they're saying. And and so you're re- here. He's saying this really personal thing, which yeah, you, never, not, you never would have revealed. Like you wouldn't have said, "Hey, yeah." I, no, and by the way, I got not. this guy sober, right? I mean, yeah, he no, no. he. How do you get someone sober, uh, bro? I mean, that's uh, I don't. You don't get anybody sober. That's not right. That's not how it works. Yeah. No, I mean, if someone uh, wants to um, change their life uh and they ask me, I'm I'll, I'll share with them um, my experience. And help them any way I can, and that's 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 it. It's really that simple. But I can't I can't do anything. So if I want to get sober, I call you up and I say, "Hey, Bradley, what's your experience?" That's the key to to uh, getting your help. I don't know. It's like if you call it. It's, it's a different. You know, if you call me up, I'd be like, "Holy shit, Howard! Like, what what's going on? Because you don't drink. Right. Like, what happened? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got to come over there. Right. I think I got to come right. over there right away. <laughs> But this doesn't happen to you a lot, does it? Do you do you help a lot of people with this with the sobriety? Um, I don't know. What's a lot? I don't know. Um, ten people that you could name that you helped get sober. Um, I mean, I've been sober a long time. Right. Best thing, a long time. Best thing you ever did. Do you have to be a star? 
Yeah, yeah. Like, um, the, what if you're a regular guy and you want to hang out with Bradley Cooper? And just wouldn't it be sober? hilarious if it only people, only celebrities can? <laughs> make no yeah. Sense. yeah. Well, look. I mean, you're I, sitting well, like, look. I gotta find one. I'm not gonna get some when I talk to a celebrity. And, and not only talk about good deeds. What was the whole story with you saving Brooke Shields' life? Well, she, you know, Chris Henchy's my neighbor, right? You know Chris Henchy yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, I know uh, Chris and, and exactly. And uh, and and he uh, great his guy. wife is Brooke Shields. And right. they live right next door where they were neighbors and, um, he were dear friends. I love Chris so much. And, um, it was like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I, I remember I would just put some sausages on the grill outside. And then I get a call. Um, Brooke, she, Brooke is, uh, at the Lartusi, which is two buildings over and, and she passed out. And, um, Chris is, uh, in on his way to, to hand, uh, he's, uh, going to Jersey or something. So, I remember I was like, I was like, oh shit, my sausages. Damn <laughs> <laughs> that Brooke Shields. I turn the right. sausage, the, the, the light off. I, I walk outside and there's a fire, there's a fire truck. I'm like, holy shit, what's going on? And she's got an auction thing. And I was like, and I just sort of walked through the crowd and went right to her. And I could tell right away that she was, she was really terrified. And then I just sort of stayed with her, and luckily the police were nice, and I and I just said, no, I'm going to go with her in the ambulance. And then they, you know, we decided, you know, and Chris was, you know, no one knew anything, so it was really I was just glad I could be there to like coordinate what hospital, talk to Chris, give him the address, you know, and I could just be that person for for them in that moment. I know I'm never lucky enough to save some celebrity's life. <laughs> I want that experience so badly. You see, you know what it really of... reminded me? It's like how life changes like that. You know what I mean? I'm sitting there making yeah. sausages next thing I'm on the back of an ambulance. You know, what the fuck, man? You know, life can change in a second. I was to dinner with Chris and Brooke and they, she just recently said to me, she starts telling me the story from her end. Right. She goes, all I know is I felt I, I, I like I passed out. Next thing I know, I wake up in an ambulance. Bradley Cooper's holding my hand, and I thought, maybe I died, and this is what heaven is. Bradley Cooper's holding my hand, and I'm in a fucking, you know, like I'm I'm laying down, and she she didn't know. She thought she died and went to heaven. <laughs> yeah, that's nice of her to say that, but the truth is, it yeah. was, um, it was, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, I, I was just glad I was there, but yeah, hospitals, man. Oof. Yeah, huh? Wow. Well, look, here's the thing. The movie Tell is me. called Maestro. Oh, you know what else I had to talk to you about before Tell I me. let you go? I'm watching you by on way, French. The best, by the way, you're the best at this. It's the best. I was watching the, what was it, the Paul Simon, the other one, interview, listening to the other day. And like, you know, you're like, oh, there's 20 minutes left of the interview. You could see it on the thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you're yeah. going like, all right, that's it. I'll see you. And you're like, one more thing. No, because I think <laughs> of a lot You're the of best things. at it. You're the best. But, 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 I, but I think of they a think lot they're of things. They think they're in the clear. And you're like, no, bro. No, bro. No, no because I'll kick myself in the head. Yeah, but it's so if, good. Uh, I feel like it, that's got to be a, a thing you've learned over the years, right? That's got to be a thing. No, it's because really, I it's spend not, so honestly? much time. I spend so much time preparing for these things. And then I go, okay, Bradley, I'll see you. And I go, oh, fuck, I didn't ask Bradley about it. I was watching a video of you. You were being interviewed in France on a French television show <clears> where everyone speaks French. And you're like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you're speaking, you speak fluent French. How's that happen for a guy in Philadelphia to become fluent in French? I think it's just again like uh, trying to work at it. I was uh, I studied spring semester of my junior year of college in Aix-en-Provence, which and then lived with a family that didn't speak English. Took all my courses in French, and then just sort of 
try to keep it up after that and um and uh, always would go to Paris whenever I could and then bought a little apartment in Paris back in 2012 so and try to spend you know some uh, at least a month there every year so I just sort of keep it up like that and I just I just love the language I, I just love the way the language sounds I remember Chariots of Fire when I was a kid that movie and there's that scene where the camera's looking up and the guy's speaking in French which I didn't realize at the time it's the the French is the language of the Olympics and so it was like that that was I, I, movies have influenced everything that's the that's the sad truth of my life <laughs> it's like everything like profound that's happened to me has been watching movies yeah, weren't you like? So it's kind of great that I what found myself in in a space where I could write and direct movies. I mean, I have to say, like, I I, I haven't. The thing about this movie, Howard, is like, wow, it's really. I don't know how you felt when you felt that in your career. Maybe it was moving over to series. I don't know where you're just like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I'm swimming in a part of my uh sort of craft where I, this is exactly this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. So now, now that you're getting that all these fantastic, yeah, but 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 now that you're getting all these fantastic reviews from Maestro, you had this huge. Well, I don't read anything, success. so I don't know. Yeah. I oh come anything. on! You haven't read no, one review? I read the New one. York no. Times review. Fucking no, I, uh, like they they were just quelling. I have I haven't read a review since 2007. I still remember I did a play on Broadway called Three Days of Rain, and Ben Brantley. I read the review. I was in Washington Square Park, and he was like Bradley Cooper's sitcom acting, and I was like. Motherfucker, I never even got a sitcom. <laughs> you couldn't get a sitcom. I was like, you wish you could be I a wish, sitcom. I wish I had sitcom acting. And I, I have wow. not read a review since then, except for I read one review uh, during A Star is Born, because it's that font, that New Yorker font is like an elixir. You know the font? Yeah, and it, yeah, and I, of course. And it was so horrendous. It was like, I still remember, oh my gosh, it like gutted me. It was like basically saying that I made A Star is Born as like a vanity project. Like just so I could, I was like obsessed with myself, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And, and what I was is like, it, is Bradley? That... What is it? Do you go, "Oh, that's going to inhibit me as an actor"? Now that's oh, there's no be question. But the, to me, there's no question that reading anything and writing about uh, what you've done is going to infect you, infect you, whether it's good or bad. It has it, it, it clogs the channel that all I want to do is remain open to create. There's nothing. So I don't. I mean, I don't. It's wonderful. Yeah, I don't I don't read anything. I don't it doesn't serve me. It won't serve me. It, how could it serve the artist? It does it doesn't. It would only it affect is, the ego. That is the smartest thing you could ever say. I see now with the advent of the internet. Back then before the internet, I used to just go on the radio and do my thing. Then I started to read these comments on the internet. I started to fucking adjust my based on I mean, what's how an I, But you're also saying. talking to a guy who's gone through like I used to I mean I used, I don't know if we talked about this before. I used to read Back when there was dial-up modems and I was on Alias, where like literally there was no Wi-Fi, you'd have to wait for the bung, bung, you know, and wait yeah. for shit to download to read <laughs> comments, message boards on Alias, and they would like destroy me. And I was like paralyzed from it, Howard, for years, by the way. I've only stopped reading comments on like the Daily Mail I don't know, five years ago, six years ago, like it, it plagued me forever. And it was like this horrible, like, like, like almost addiction. And you're like, yes. yeah, see, I am a piece of shit. I am a piece of shit. It's yeah, crazy, you, man. It's, it's it horrible. How many, it doesn't matter how many positive things you read. You will only no, 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 retain no, 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 the no. negative. And, yeah. and like people saying the same shit for years, you're like, oh my God. I mean, it's crazy. And to me, yeah. it's like when I got, when I stopped doing that, I mean, that was part of like changing my entire life, really. Because it, it's just infectious. It's it's infectious. It's true. Back when you were on Alias, 
you know, back then you'd read this shit because you're thinking, hey, these people are probably going to love me. You know, that's a cool show. That's why I was like, I'm on yeah. this show. The show's amazing. They're like, he stinks. What's he doing with her? Michael Vartan's the man. I was like, oh my god. I was like, <laughs> not only do I not, I, not only am I ruining this show, I'm like ruining like uh, television in general, and I need to like leave. That, that's where my brain went to. Again, back to that whole thing of not getting nominated for director thinking that i let somebody down like that that's where i would go like oh right of course you shouldn't be here you're a piece of shit like you need to leave you know you don't belong that that that's where i go what are you going to do next are you going to direct something or are you going to maybe the move is do a couple of movies where you don't have to direct make a ton of cash and then go direct another one can't do it no i can't what do you got? Wanna, you got? I don't know how, Howard, I don't know how much, you know, I, I thought about this. Like, I'm going to be, you know, I'm 55 already, and I'm going to be. Uh, <laughs> you aged five years. Well, I've Boy, kept you here a long time. But I probably, if I'm lucky, bro, I got four movies left in me, you know, if I'm lucky. Right. No, but, think well, about wait it, a Robin. second. It's think like, about no, your think buddy about Clint Eastwood. You've been in Clint yeah. Eastwood film. I mean, that's got to yeah, be a great Yeah, but it's different. Honor. He doesn't write it, and uh, he goes fast. Right. I mean, Stars Born took four years. Meister took six years. Let's say I do another four movies. You know, I'm into my 80s. You know what I mean? So, right. I, 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 you know, I, it's like I have to choose wisely and choose what like moves me, you know, that I'm willing to, because to, I just, you know, it's, I'd rather spend six years on something that I, I, I feel like I've done everything than, than six years on eight different things that I like half did. Does that make sense? Well, I've read the reviews on Maestro. New York Times gave you a glow. I mean, I read 10 reviews in a row. I didn't see one negative review. They're calling this a masterpiece. It's the greatest thing ever. I mean, real legit reviews, not some bullshit. You know, these I mean, how guys does that are, make you feel knowing that uh, not to put you on the spot, but like knowing how much I've gone through and like, you know, just as my friend reading that, 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 that you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, knowing how the road that 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 this was for me. Well, listen, I I I would have felt bad for you knowing how many years you put into this thing. And then if people started ragging on you and saying this is ridiculous, he's not authentic, he's not this or that. I mean. It would it would have sucked for you. It really would have. Right. I think it would have crushed you if you, if yeah, you didn't. You might I, have I been think, right. Yeah. And I think the validation would be if you did get an Academy Award. I think it would be nice. It would it would it would be the cherry on top of the you know it would be the icing on the cake so to speak because uh, I mean it was it's an amazing accomplishment. I think the movies uh, that opening shot where you're just coming right through. Yeah. And we see uh, Lenny. I mean you know it's really an artistic film, and you're right. That's how I feel about painting. I look at my age and I go, I'm going to do two big paintings this year. I don't have that many more years left where I'm going to be able to paint a a beautiful painting. I literally have mapped out what I want to paint because I know, you know, my days are going to be over soon. That's right. And I agree with your philosophy. So the question is, what are you going to do next? Do you have it all mapped out? I don't have it all mapped out, but I'm going to do a, a, a movie, a little movie, a very small budget movie with our friend Will Arnett, who I love. Uh, and, uh, and, and a comedy? Laura Dern. Yeah, comedy. Yeah. And so that's what we're working on that I'm, that I'm not really going to be in. I'm just going to direct it, uh, and, and, re- and write it with those Chappie and Will. Uh, and, um, yeah, he's a that, funny that, dude. Will Arnett's I a real him. funny dude. I love, and I think that he's like, uh, I think that's what's nuclear. I just feel like he's untapped. And if I could uh, create an environment where he could just be completely uh, uh, at ease, I think something really beautiful will come out. You um, wrote the movie? Uh, he's He wrote it with uh, his 
writing partner, but I, we're gonna I'm gonna get in, into it now and sort of um and and rewrite it with them probably uh, or be a you know aid because I, I I can't I can't make anything that I don't write really. So this is gonna be a new thing. Like I I wouldn't know where to put the camera. That's always said like how could I direct something that I haven't written because it, it's all one thing. So this is gonna be an interesting ex exploration. Um, but then I have a crazy thing, another crazy, huge six year thing that's like beyond terrifying. Let me hear yeah, what it is because maybe I can't I'll be talk. In it. No, I can't. No, no, no. Come may, on, pitch bro, me. Bro, I'm, by I'm the way, by one. the way, by the way, maybe you will be. Maybe you will. What do I play? No, I'll, I want to get into character. <laughs> what type of character um, would I be playing? Now. Put it this way. I, 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 just looking at you, what you're doing with your chin. I like it. Yeah. No, go, go with it. Go with it. Oh, look at me. Wait, no, no, that's the Godfather. Hold on, hold on. Oh, Keep that's going. Right. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Tell me what, um, what kind of guy I'm going to be in this uh, wait, movie. Do that. Just start breathing. Do that. What's the guy sound like when he's breathing? <sighs> there you go. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, what yeah. What kind yeah. of guy is this? Oh, this is I'm good. Vladimir Just Putin right now. <laughs> I'm going to kill all you Americans. <laughs> Look at me. I'm unbelievable. Uh, what about Rocket Raccoon? Will there be more Rocket Raccoon, please, in the future? I would I love, love it. that. I would love we, it. When they come to you and say you're going to play a raccoon in a movie, you're like, get the fuck out of here. I, I'm, I'm a major guy. Who knows? Bradley, who knows what's going to happen? You've been nominated nine times for Academy Awards nominated nine times mm. never have won one you're bitter about these academy awards oh. you hate the academy Awards, and yet you want them to acknowledge you it's going to be interesting now here's the big question before you leave yeah tell me and i really want you to answer this in a serious manner okay sophie's choice for 2024 you win the oscar not only for best director but best actor and carrie mulligan wins best actress or the eagles have a super bowl victory what eagles do you super choose bowl victory what? Wow. What? Eagles. You're lying I'm now, serious. aren't you? I don't think so, bro. No. No. The Eagles. I'm not lying. I'm you not know lying. you live yeah. in New York now, right? <laughs> you know that. Do I? Do I? Yeah. You live in New Do York. I? Do I, bro? Yeah. Do I? Why don't you why don't you root for the Jets and the Do Giants? I live in New York? <laughs> Or maybe Why Buffalo. would he waste his time? They're doing right. so poorly. With your Grammy award-winning voice, would you now sing the <laughs> Eagles fight song? And, and and if you're a real Eagles fan, you know the Eagles fight song. Uh, <laughs> there you go. You won't do it. Listen, Bradley, did I see you for real? I was like, I must be dreaming because I'm a huge tennis fan. And yeah. you were at Wimbledon at least one year with Brad Pitt sitting next to you. That was the U.S. Open. That was he the U.S. The Open. Yeah, we went okay. to the finals of the U.S. Open when um, Djokovic lost to Medvedev. Alcaraz. Oh, wow. No, that's no, where... Bra no, no, that's no. where... No. Oh, that's Medvedev. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That's where Brad Pitt got sober, right in the middle of the tennis <laughs> match. I'm telling you. There was a big discussion going on. Now, you really love going to that stuff, huh? Maybe I have I to go to a game. I haven't gone in a while, but I love tennis. I, I, you know, I was I was a may, huge Roger Federer fan, huge. And uh, when he retired, I haven't gone really. Uh, really, I haven't seen a match. Yeah, I haven't seen a match. But did I love. Do you tennis. know Roger and I have the same birthday? I did not. You know didn't know that. that. Yeah, Bradley <laughs> doesn't know a lot about. He, he needs to know, know more about you. <laughs> will we see you at next Sunday's Eagles game, or will you not be there? I will be there. You will be there. Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's a home game. Yeah, it's a home game. Wow. Wow. That's a big announcement. Yeah, 49ers. I mean, they're playing the 49ers. It's going to be a big game. It's a big one. It's a big one against the one 49ers. One other thing I have to say to Bradley about the movie. It's like yeah. the, you, the music is worked into this movie so it just seems yeah. like it should be there. Oh, good. And, I mean, Robin, that and was the I point. Feel, 
I feel like it was meant to be like that. And I feel like it's a third character. So you should be nominated for that as well. Wow, Robin. Look at Robin. I'm so glad you said that because that is the, I mean, you just, really the huge goal of the movie was I wanted the music to be the third character. And then at the end of the movie, as you see, really the Leonard Bernstein actually conducting, and it says music by Leonard Bernstein. And because 99% of the viewing audience will not know that's his music that they've been listening to the whole movie. The hope is what you just said, like, oh, He's been a part of this whole movie, this whole time. Him, actually, him. Robin's right, because I love the music in it. And I was like, you know, in a way, it was kind of like heavy metal in a weird way. Yes. It really kind of blew my mind. And I was talking to a musician. I mean, a real musician who, you know, super successful. And I said, you know anything about this conducting? Do you know anything about this type of music? He says to me, I don't know a thing about it. Like, this guy's written a million hit songs, and he goes, I don't know a thing about this conducting. I can't even read music, but he's written a million hit songs. But he By was way, really moved. Bernstein yeah. also, he was a composer. I mean, the music that you're hearing, he composed. Yeah. You know, yeah, he, no. he wrote it. It's not that he was just a conductor. He made that music that you're hearing in the in the movie. Yeah, you didn't even play up the whole the connection to West Side Story. He wrote the music for that. Um, well, it, yeah. I mean, the thing about that was... Um, if you remember in the movie, the the guy who's interviewing him says, you know, and then there's West Side Story, and, and Lenny goes, oh, Jesus Christ. Because he was sort of, um, the thing that I learned in research is like he didn't want to be just known as the guy who made West Side Story. So that I I was sort of playing into that, because the movie is about him and his sort of mindset and, and where he is. So I wanted to treat West Side Story to the story of the movie. So actually, we do play West Side Story. It's when he arrives to Fairfield with Tommy and the dog. Remember, that's all symphonic dances and we, uh, you know, that was in the script too. And she's like Bernardo at the top of the stairs and we shoot through the chain link fence, but it's the glass stained window. You know, that, that we were trying to have fun with the West Side story of it all. Did I just read you went to see a Bernstein's kids over Thanksgiving? Like you had Thanksgiving with them? <clears throat> Bro, they're the best. I love them. We went there on Friday and had a great time. And my, one of my dogs got lost almost. Uh, thank God she came back. Um, yeah, they, and in the house that we shot in, you know, Fairfield. In fact, I was going upstairs to use the restroom and I came back down. One or two, number one or two. Uh, it was two. It was two. two? That's why I went upstairs. Sorry. Wow. You asked me. I mean, tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were with them and you, and you hung out with them and you, and you felt comfortable. Yeah. And, and it's very, it's very emotional to be, be in that space. It's pretty crazy. It's crazy. You know, because we shot there. And not only it, it, we feel like the, it, the, there's like memories of the movie being shot there, which feels like memories of us living there. It's very surreal. Jeez. And they're wonderful. They're just wonderful. I mean, I love I love. Well, the, I also we're, we're, loved how they came to your defense when that. Oh, Robin, that, that was insane. Up. They were amazing. That, amazing. That 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 like floored me. You know, if Howard would ever stand up for me the way they did, you know, wow, listen, <laughs> fucking guy, you're on your own, man. <laughs> Leave me out of this. No, I, I, uh, I can't believe how much you love people. Like, wow, you went over Leonard Bernstein's kids' homes to hang with them. I mean, after the movie, I'd be like, see you later, kids. I'm done. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm not hanging with you for Thanksgiving. I did the movie. I got what I needed. That's it. I'm on to the next Jesus. project. Wow. Yeah, I'm cold, That's man. Rough. I'm cold. You are. I'm, cold. <laughs> I'm cold-hearted, man. This is, this is fuck. <laughs> wow. Maybe I was yeah. wrong about those kind eyes. 
You, oh, you're completely <laughs> off base with wrong. that. I was fucking yeah, totally how dare wrong. You, you, you don't read people correctly. <laughs> no, I'm so um, off base. Listen, congratulations, Bradley. You've done it again. Don't be a stranger. But when's the last? I didn't even see you when you were when you were you promoting the stars. Here's the more. truth. Here's the truth. You know what happened? The truth is, you and I have become. I'm just. I'm very close. I consider you a dear friend. You know everything about me. So. I've always, you know, I think the last, you know, so I didn't come on for any of that because I'm like, what are we going to talk about? Like, how can we talk in a way? Because we know each other so well. You know, I always felt like it's, it's a hard thing to now navigate because it's two people that like really fucking know each other as yeah. opposed to, you know, the way it was when we first started to talk. So that's why I've always been like, what are we going to talk about? I mean, what are we? You know, it's going to well, be you're like not an hour of you and I going like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. The thing. Yeah, yeah, we can't. You know, I mean, what do you yeah, do? <laughs> you're not wrong because I do speak to you quite often and you do tell me a lot of things as I tell you. And uh, uh yeah, I, I know what you mean. It could get weird. Because well, sometimes I think that our, shorthand of friends doesn't let anybody else into the conversation. Right. It, it's just, it's yeah. just, it's just different. Yeah. You know, it's different. Yeah. It's just a different. But I feel like we've navigated. I don't know. This was great. Yeah, and Bradley, uh, you know, Bradley needs me. I, I basically, oh, I direct all of Bradley's films. Here we go. Here we go. You know, I'm the guy he turns to for advice and counsel. And, uh, actually, he turns to me for no advice. You know what well, would be really, really interesting? Well, you're really good because this was a very yeah. complicated film. Yeah, and I had a lot to work out in this film. Bradley did it and acted in it as well. Yeah, it was a lot to work this film. I had to nurse Bradley through this whole film so he could get through it. He was like, so wrapped up in the Lenny character that uh, I really helped him out. No, but uh, Bradley Cooper's and Maestro playing in select theaters now. Maestro will begin streaming on Netflix on December 20th. And you know what? I would love, well, I'll say this to you some other time. I've kept you long enough, but uh, the movie's great. Great accomplishment. And uh, congratulations. I think it would be really interesting. I wonder what, you know, there are guys in Hollywood who are closeted, who are living a, a closeted life. And I wonder what their reaction to this film is. I wonder if it's opened anybody up to the point where they feel comfortable enough to come out. You know what I mean? It's Well, it's, the thing about Lenny, though, again, is there's nothing closeted about him. I know, I know. You like, know, that's the thing. It's like that, that. that's why I thought this was so one of the things that made it so interesting is he was so unabashedly himself. I know. The only time the only time he lies in the whole movie is when she asks him kid. to lie to their daughter and it right. kills him. Yeah. So I don't, you know, if anything, if, if anybody watching this movie, I mean, what I got from watching this movie and being in this, being in this journey from Lenny is just, just be fucking bold. That's the thing that, you know, so if that is, if that's somebody who is, if part of that language is someone not dealing with their sexual preference or identify how they identify, but it could be many other things, you know, uh, going after something they believe in, being risking uh, having their voice in a in a in a room where there's a lot of stronger voices. You know, Lenny, I think it, it's more than just sexual um, identification or or it's it's a way of sort of inhabiting space. I mean, that's the thing about him that I found so infectious. I mean, she says it to him in the black and white. She says, you're a dragon, you know, when they first meet. And then she kisses him. And I think that's part of why, at least in terms of the structure of the movie, he's like, oh, wow, she sees me. She sees how powerful I am. And she still wants to be with me. When I was at your house watching that movie, where the hell did you go? I thought you were going to sit there and I watch was upstairs. with us. I was upstairs. Uh, no, but, you know, 
I would have, but I realized that that it taints the the experience, and also like the movie's yeah, done. I would have watched it. I would have. Wa- I definitely would have watched it if I was still editing the movie. But now it's done. I was upstairs, but I could hear it. You know, I was upstairs, but it wasn't Leah there because we went to dinner after, right? Uh, yeah, she. Well, yeah. she was in the theater with us. No, no, I'm was... saying, but we were upstairs in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And I, could I didn't hear know what the you movie. were doing. I could hear the movie through, you know, from from downstairs. Which is here's the other thing about this. I know you got to go, but um. I love the movie so much, and when I when you I was when I hear it, I actually feel like they're alive. Like it's not a movie. Like they're actually. It's almost like some sort of magic trick where they come out of a box and they're alive for people watching it. It's it's a really thrilling thing to um to witness for me because I really feel the like we thing, captured a lot. We captured a, like a lot of truth. You know, if you capture it's a truth lot of on fun. film, but um, I think yeah, it's great. That's to be what in a- I loved about Carrie Mulligan because. She showed the anguish, you know, like there were times I was almost in tears for her. Yes. Because of how his life was going. And she's just like, when do you, when do I get a, a moment? When do I have a, a, a minute of my, uh, my own? Yeah. It was really amazing. Yeah. She was. Now, well, listen, I'm going to let you go. We kept okay. you a long time. Oh, you know what we should have talked about? Yeah, I, I know what? I'm doing this, but we should have <laughs> produced the Joker, which was, I never oh, even yeah. spoke to you about this. Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, man, what a beautiful you pro- experience that was. Yeah. How do yeah, you get to produce lucky. that? Todd Phillips and I um, started a company and um, a, produ- a production company, and uh, he produced The Stars Born. Um, we produced War Dogs uh, and then Joker. That was uh, the third thing that we did. Um, Jeez. It was, I loved it. Loved, loved working oh, on that movie. Absolutely. When you watched that after you produced it, were you like, oh shit, I should have fucking directed this thing? No, God, no. He's no. the king. Phillips is the king. Yeah. Wow. They're making a sequel. He loves you. He loves you, dude. Lady that Gaga's going to. That was part of what bonded us. And, you know, because he directed all the Hangover movies. Yeah, Tom I know. Phillips. And then and we bonded over you back in 2007. I think when I first met him, like to semi audition for The Hangover, I'm pretty sure you came up and that was, uh, I thought, oh, we both love Howard. Maybe I'll get it. Lady Gaga is going to play Harley Quinn. Are you part of that? No, we 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 dissolved our company when I moved to New York, and I and then Netflix was the place for Maestro. It made no sense to stay at Warner Brothers. So so I mean, he's still my dear friend, and uh, and I I'd do anything for him. But we don't physically have a company together anymore. I see. Jeez, that's great. All right, listen, you've done it all. Obviously, good these movies you're producing, you're directing. Good Lord. Uh, it's quite remarkable. Thank you for not uh, seducing people. Thank you for not the saving people to the hospital. <laughs> getting Brad Pitt sober. He's doing it all. Bradley Cooper. Thank you for never seducing my wife when we're uh, with her. That's the other thing too. All right. I really do appreciate Jesus. that. That's yeah. I mean, listen. You know, you can get any woman you want. So just oh, stay please, away from. Please. You know, give me, I'm like Jolene. 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 Don't take my. <laughs> all right. uh, listen. The movie is called Maestro, and it's spectacular. See Bradley and Maestro? He put six years of his life into this thing. The least you could do is see it. (laughs) Right? See Bradley and Maestro playing in select theaters now. Maestro begins streaming on Netflix December 20th. Where are we going with your hair? Are you going to go back long hair, or are you going to go back? uh, Hey, uh, I think in the stars born with the long hair is a sexy fucking look. Uh, I like it with but the long hair. But it's hard for him to mess up in any way. This looks great. 
Oh, oh you like you, that, huh, Robin? Like what do you it, think, yeah. Robin? What do you think Bradley should do with his hair? Should he grow it out or should he just keep I it short? I think he should continue changing it so we get different looks. Oh, great. Oh, boy, awesome. boy she loves you. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. You should see. All right, listen. Go do your thing, Bradley. And, uh, hey, why is Carrie Mulligan billed above you in the credits? That um, seems. I, I, I mean, she was one on the call sheet. You know, the call sheet. You know that you were. I'm sure you were one on when you made your movie. You know, she's yeah. number one on the call sheet. And um, the movie, no. to me, the movie is about uh, her, and she's no. the protagonist, and Lenny's the antagonist. You know, he doesn't change. So I just thought that um, I like that structure. I like wow. that that that. Yeah. That would never happen in one of my movies. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> He's the first always, three or four names. <laughs> uh, I'm above the title always. <laughs> All right, listen, Bradley, you've done it again. Thank you. Don't be a stranger. And uh, congratulations on Maestro. Beautiful movie. Thanks for having Fantastic me. Fantastic accomplishment. Real And honor, you know what? Honor. Go birds. Go ahead, man. Yeah, we'll, come we'll, on. Let's we'll, go. That's it. Bradley Cooper, everyone. Look, he can't leave my side. He loves it. He loves it. Can't, can't do it. Well, he I got can, your painting, thank God. Yeah. And there's yeah, my painting. I've been staring at that over his shoulder the whole time. I, I honestly thought we were going to spend more time on it because I, I, you know, well, I put it there. This, this is all there for a reason. There are uh, 25 prints of that painting that I made. And I brought that to your home because you were kind enough to invite me over to see the movie. And I said to my wife, we got to bring some sort of gift for Bradley. What better gift than one of my watercolors? <laughs> To hang in Bradley's house. So there it is. That that painting is called Riftstone Arch. It's a, a painting of Central Park. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's it. What's what's to say? That's that it. Good. I like that's it. That's it. That's it. All right. And it's okay. prominently over your shoulder where it should always be. All your interviews should be done with that <laughs> Take painting. Take it with you and it goes there over you go. your shoulder. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Bradley. All right. All right, guys. There Thank he is, you. Bradley Cooper. Good Bye, looking Bradley. Devil. Look at Bye. this guy. Uh, if I look like that, there would be no stopping me. Yeah. If that, you know, I knew exactly what that painting was as soon as I looked at it because that's on the bridle path. So when I had my horse in Manhattan, I used to ride under that overpass all the time. Well, I used to go running in Central Park every day. And I went and, uh, right there at the Riftstone Arch, I'd go through it every day. I said, man, I'd love to paint that. <laughs> And uh, finally got around to it. Who knew That's, that was cool? It's beautiful. Thank you. It took like forever. I love the uh, coloring too, and it was perfect. For some reason or other, all of those colors just sort of worked in that space that Brad was sitting in. Bradley was sitting in, and what he was wearing. Oh, thank you, Robin. You see, I'm a bit of an artist myself. Uh, I would uh, say more than a bit. That's right. People think of me as a bore or a loudmouth. Uh, I have a sensitive side. I have a sensitive side. People don't realize that. As Bradley said, I have very sensitive eyes. Warm. Very warm. Warm. He's right. Eyes. He's right. I know that about myself. <laughs> what a have mess you ever I done am. a self-portrait? I've I've drawn some self-portraits, and uh, well, it's you don't want to paint them. No, I don't like painting no? people. I like landscape architecture i think bradley's next movie will be about me someday he'll make a well story he's me. i think he was studying you i think he was here to study yeah. you in your environment <laughs> my habitat for his next big character yeah 
How much would you love to sleep with Bradley? I, I can see you're completely jacked up right now. I just think he's a wonderful person, a very yeah. sensitive person, and um, uh, caring. That's, uh, that's what I, think of him. I don't think uh, of him as uh, you know, ooh, uh, that like way. a sexual uh, really partner. Ooh. No, uh, oh, I was going to get you him for Christmas, yeah, but right. I, oh, now really? that you say that, well, yeah. wait a minute. Then <laughs> I'll <laughs> in that case, no. Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing left to get you, but. Uh, <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's Bradley Cooper, and the movie really is terrific. Loved it. Oh, loved it. And, yeah. Um, and yeah. that music is incredible. I mean, it's just wait till you see it. You have to see how this is worked in. It's not like Howard said. It's not linear. You're just burst into Leonard yeah. Bernstein's life, or is it Stein? Bernstein. Stein. Bernstein. Yeah. Yeah. You just all Robin. all of a sudden in it. You can't change his name just like that. You have to say Bernstein. <laughs> Sorry. What's the word you said to me on the phone last night that was so funny? Oh, go oh, ahead. You know what it na, is. Knock, knock, knock us. Knock, <laughs> knock us. <laughs> Every time wow. you laugh. <laughs> wow, it's unbelievable. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, Robin, we'll see everyone tomorrow. We've got two. We, we've got uh, tomorrow to, uh, we got to get to a lot of stuff. And uh, wow, I'm looking at. We're completely backed up with stuff for tomorrow, but we'll, we'll tackle that uh, on another day. All right. Goodbye.